When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Turning to Washington now, some big news as President Biden announcing his intent to nominate Air Force Chief of Staff General Charles Q. Brown as the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I have the honor of introducing my nominee to be the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Charles Q. Brown, Jr. General, welcome. Speaker McCarthy's latest comments on the debt ceiling. So are we really anywhere close to a deal? We worked well past midnight last night and yesterday. It was a very good day. I thought we made some progress. There's still some outstanding issues, and I've directed our teams to work 24-7 to try to solve this problem. Local beaches are expected to be pretty busy for the unofficial start of summer this weekend. In New York City, beaches officially open to the public on Saturday. Swimmers can hit the surf beginning at 10 a.m. until 6 p.m. through September the 10th. And it'll be a similar scene down the shore. In New Jersey, where thousands will descend upon the Jersey Shore this holiday weekend, and many local businesses are banking on this being a record-breaking summer season. Inside St. Bridget's, a Catholic school in the East Village, the city is housing migrants temporarily in what's called a respite site. According to a mayoral spokesperson, the respite sites are equivalent to a waiting room until placements can be found as the city is receiving hundreds of migrants a day, even though there's no room left to house them. The migrant stuff, of course, is what has hijacked the news. You know that. What's stopping Mayor Eric Adams from saying the next time the bus comes? No. Our position was clear all the time that uh, we have to abide by the law. Eric Adams did not write these laws. Uh, we have a New York State Constitution, and we have, we have had lawsuits uh, for many years, over 40 years ago. And those laws are in place. And I'm never going to do anything uh, that is going to violate the law.
great Levon Helm and the band as we start this big Memorial Day weekend, three-day weekend, Sid and Friends program, your favorite morning talk show in New York City, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And more than often, when we start the program with some song, there is some significance attached to that song or that group. Remember yesterday, we played an awful lot of Tina Turner. The, uh, the day after she passed away at the age of 83. Well, Levon Helm, he'd be dead too. He'd be dead a long time. That's, uh, Lou Rafino's buddy. But, but if Levon Helm was alive today, he would be the, how old? The great 83. 80. Wow. The same age as Tina Turner. Yeah. That's correct. Wow. Yeah. How long is he dead, uh, Helm? He, well, let's see. Uh, I just saw it. Hang on. Uh, he died uh, April of 2012. Oh, he's dead a long time. 11 years. 11 years now. Yeah. Wow. When was the last time you smoked weed with Levon Helm? Uh, a couple of days before that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was your boy. He would. He probably did, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but that was your boy. I mean, you, you've uh, told stories on this show before you used to travel with, uh, with he, the band, right? He was one of the greatest people you could ever yeah. be around. He was so fun and nice and smart and talented. I mean, he's usually so talented. Yeah. Yeah, he's just one of the great drummers I've ever seen. I know I'm biased, but. And he was. Better just, drummer than Phil Collins. Yeah, different, of course. Yeah. But, um, yeah. How about still, Neil Pert? Um, I'd say after Neil smoked as much as Levon, he could be as good a drummer as Levon. What probably. about the <laughs> one-armed drummer for oh, Def uh, Leppard? Is that Rick Allen? Rick Allen, yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting comparison, I think. Yeah. Levon could actually drum with one hand anyway. He so, could. Yeah, he could do a lot. But He's, he wasn't better than Buddy Rich. I'm sure that was a hero of his, actually, <laughs> yeah. Buddy Rich. He, that Buddy Rich is in a class by himself as yeah. well, of course. Yeah. Just one of the most genuinely great people, though, Levon, wow. that I ever knew. Well, happy birthday, Levon. Happy birthday. You the man. So that was a, a nice little piece. Justin Ellick puts that piece together every morning. Willie does a good job. Includes all the big stories from the night before. Every now and then he includes something from this program, like our epic interview with the mayor. I know Curtis Lee was going to come on at 7.05 and bash it. He did it yesterday, but he's out of his mind. That was one of the best interviews with the mayor you're ever going to hear. Evidenced by all the press it got yesterday, it took 90 minutes, 90 minutes for Olivia Land to write a big column about it on the online version of the New York Post. And this morning, when you actually buy the New York Post, you'll notice on page 10, picture of uh, the migrants and Eric Adams, Border crisis. Don't blame me, Eric, on migrants. I didn't write the laws with a nice sitting friends in the morning 77 WABC mention. And we talked about an awful lot of stuff now, didn't we? You know, one of the things we talked about with the border, and I noticed this in the New York Post. I was walking to the train yesterday after the show, and I bumped into Dr. Uh, Dr. Judge Weinberg, who I like a lot. He's a very, very smart guy, great judge. And does a great job on Cats and Cosby, almost at Cats at Night, on Cats and Cosby every day. I love the judge. He said, you know, I heard the Adams interview. It was great. He goes, but let's be honest. Call out Biden, right? It's Biden's border policies that are doing all of this. Forget about Eric Adams. Forget about all these folks. It's Biden's 
border policies that are doing that's doing all this. And if you remember, and you listened to the interview yesterday, I made that point to Eric Adams. I made that point about midway through the conversation. In fact, Lewis, let's go back, cut number 17, where I said, Mr. Mayor, you'll be doing yourself a huge favor if instead of saying national government, federal government, call out this son of a bitch, this President Joe Biden by name. And then, of course, I talked about the stark difference at the border between Biden and Trump. Lewis, cut number 17. Eric, when you say the federal government, I think you'd make a lot of people in this city happy if you said Joe Biden. Joe Biden did this. Joe Biden, it's his policy. Donald Trump had to remain in Mexico. He had all these things going on. You can say what you want about Republicans, Mr. Mayor, with the immigration reform. The fact is, we had a Republican president for four years. We had none of these problems. None of them. Zero. Joe Biden takes over. Bang. We're getting slaughtered with migrants all over the country. So... I think people would really appreciate it if you would just say Joe Biden. Well, the, the goal the goal is not to find appreciation. The goal is to find uh, a real way to manage the problem. And we did have this problem uh, when uh, President Trump was in office. What happened is that they put in place Title 42 because of the COVID issue. The, the issue that for far too long uh, the Republicans have pushed against immigration reform. That has been the biggest impediment for years, not this year, but for years. We need to we need to address the that their unwillingness to deal with immigration reform. Now that's a that's a the foundational problem with patients, but that does not take away from the fact that we need the White House to ensure that we have a real decompression strategy, and give people the right to work. That's the number one thing I hear, Sid. Give the people the uh, right to work. So, again, he talked about the Republicans' failure, immigration reform, and then he said the White House. Still did not say Joe Biden. I can't get Eric Adams to say Joe Biden. If I gave the guy $5 million cash, he wouldn't say Joe Biden. He just wouldn't do it. So we've got some uh, other cuts to play along the way of the mayor. But, of course, the biggest news yesterday was Ron DeSantis. He's in. He's been getting bludgeoned in the polls the last couple of months. My guy, Donald Trump, gaining all this momentum, building up leads, big leads. One poll about two weeks ago had Donald Trump up 43 points, 43 on Ron DeSantis. Others, 30 points, 25 points. But there seems to be a consensus now. But now that Ron DeSantis is officially a candidate for the presidency, this race will tighten up. If you missed it, there were two different announcements from DeSantis. One was the Elon Musk rollout on Twitter, Twitter space. That was a complete and utter four-hanger abortion disaster. Disaster. But he did make his actual speech about running for president on Twitter no glitches there. So if you did miss it two days ago, here he is, the governor of Florida. Seemingly, seemingly, I'm sorry, I know you love Tim Scott and you love Nikki Haley. Maybe you love Chris Christie like Anthony Scaramucci. Seemingly the only competition Donald Trump has is this guy, Ron DeSantis. And if you missed it, 
Here he was two days ago announcing, I am running for President Lewis, cut number one. Our border is a disaster. Crime infests our cities. The federal government makes it harder for families to make ends meet. And the president flounders. But decline is a choice. Success is attainable. And freedom is worth fighting for. Riding the ship requires restoring sanity to our society, normalcy to our communities, and integrity to our institutions. Truth must be our foundation. And common sense can no longer be an uncommon virtue. In Florida, we prove that it can be done. We chose facts over fear, education over indoctrination, law and order over rioting and disorder. We held the line when freedom hung in the balance. We showed that we can and must revitalize America. We need the courage to lead and the strength to win. I'm Ron DeSantis, and I'm running for president to lead our great American comeback. Not everybody was all that happy that Ron DeSantis is running for president. You remember this cut from Donald Trump? This Lewis is Donald Trump, cut number 12. Now, he did go out and, and just absolutely eviscerate DeSantis on the rollout, the Elon Musk stuff on Twitter, all that. But this is um, a little while back, Donald Trump on DeSantis running for president, cut number 12. Number of 2017, Ron Sanctimonious was polling at 5% in the Republican primary for governor of Florida, 5%. DeSantis had virtually no endorsements and was being drastically outraised by Agricultural Commissioner Adam Putnam, the widely viewed favorite. He was going to win. He was going to win easy. He was way up. Ron had zero chance of winning. On December 21st, 2017, a man named President Donald J. Trump endorsed in support of Ron DeSanctimonious. His polling skyrocketed, and DeSantis won the Republican primary 57 to 37. He was down so many points, and all of a sudden he wins by 20. He was already looking for jobs. But he did it because of President Trump. Thank you very much, Ron. Thank you very much. (laughs) And, of course, Joy Reid, that racist, and that's all she is. She's a black woman, so MSNBC gladly hired her. She's got zero qualifications. I mean, zero She's got less than Gail King, another black woman with a big spot on television. Zero. She comes out and blasts Ron DeSantis with a couple of folks. Oh, yes. Booking guests all day yesterday just blasting DeSantis. Like this one, this is uh, Joy Reid, again, courtesy of MSNBC, with the Florida Dem chair, Nikki Freed, and they made fun of DeSantis, as they should, after the disastrous rollout with Elon Musk, this Lewis is cut number five. Ron DeSantis is trying to do, and, and probably why he was like, oh, I'll learn it on Twitter spaces, is to prove that, like, he's young and Biden is, like, old. But well. Biden literally trolled the heck out of him right into the middle of their glitch. Like, Biden, dark Brandon, got gave him the business <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> this is humiliating. <laughs> this is beyond humiliating. And it was so predictable. You know, first of all, we, we, we've been saying that he's failed to launch. So it reminds me, actually, of the movie Failure to Launch. Uh, and, and this is- 
how indicative of, of who he is. You know, we know that he doesn't have the personality no. to be president of the right. United States. Like and so this just shows once again that he's so out of touch with, oh. with people. And, and look, he spent the last five years here in the state of Florida trying to get to this MAGA extreme base while taking away freedoms here in the state of Florida. And, and so there's just so much to unpack from today and the last five years uh, under Ron DeSantis. Um, but th- this failure to launch and Elon being part of it, it just is a perfect bow mm. onto this presidential campaign. Right. We take it from you, whoever you are. No one knows who you are. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, she's talking to some lady, Susan Del Perchio, also on MSNBC. She goes, there's no freedom in Florida. Dems didn't even come out to vote. He didn't win. This is Joy Reid and Del Perchio, cut number six. What parents and regular people, normal people understand is, hang on a second, I'm raising my kid. I take my kid to my doctor. And then you're going to tell me you're going to take my kid because you don't like the medical decisions I'm making. You're going to tell my kid they can't read book. You're going to tell my black child they can't black read a book child. about black See? history. Really? You're going to tell them they can't take a black Not history. Any child, you're going to tell my child. female child they can't take history about women. You're going to tell my Jewish child they can't oh, learn about nice. the Holocaust because you don't like it. Nice. This isn't freedom. <laughs> this is not a freedom agenda. This is a do what Ron DeSantis tells you to do. The state owns you agenda. How, who does he think that's going to attract? Well, I think Michelle was spot on when she said that DeSantis misunderstood his election, re- the election results for 2022. He really didn't get at what was driving people. It was nothing. They didn't show up. Correct. I mean, there was a big difference. 900,000 fewer votes cast on the Democratic right. line Correct. from 18 to 20, 2022. Correct. So people maybe Correct. didn't come out so much. They didn't come out against him, but uh, they didn't come out for him oh, I see. either. Yeah, I get it. So finally, Joy Reid says, if Ron DeSantis thinks that he could succeed on the national level like he's done in Florida, well, he's got something coming to him. This is a racist Joy Reid, cut number seven. He's Trump with a completely subjugated legislature. So the idea that he could do on a national scale what he does in Florida is bullshit. I'm sorry to use the word of the horrible oh word, but it's what? not hey, real hey, hey. because he's well, got okay. a sick event legislature to pass anything he <laughs> said. Did she actually say the actual word oh. bullshizzle? Maybe on MSF, play that one more is time. Bo writing for that this song? is unreal. That's, that's crazy. Wow. He's Trump with a completely subjugated legislature. So the idea that he could do on a national scale what he does in Florida is bullshit. I'm sorry to use the horrible <laughs> word, but it's not real because he's got a sycophant legislature that will pass anything he said. Can't make it up. Oh, All right, that is uh, Joy Reid on Ron DeSantis. They got a lot of big-time guests oh, stopping by today. I mean me. a lot. Joseph Takapina makes his return in the 8 o'clock hour. He's been in Europe for the better part of two weeks. And there's a lot of Donald Trump legal news that we have to get to with Joseph. Also, we're going to talk to um, Curtis Sliwa. He's been on fire coming up at 7.05. And I'm really looking forward to talking to Norman Seabrook. He'll be here at 925. And my dear friend, Teddy Atlas, he wants a federal boxing commission. We'll see if he gets his way. He's got a petition right now that you guys can sign. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Of course, don't forget to take time out on Monday to pay homage to the brave men and women that continue to fight for our country and provide us with the freedoms we enjoy 
every day. God bless those people. God bless our service. And, of course, God bless America. Take a load free. Take a load off And you put the load right on load right on Radio 77 WABC. Oi! This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Joe Biden is a LeVon Helm, the band, LeVon Helm passed away, but would have been 83 years old today. Happy birthday, LeVon. And how about this lady? Doesn't get bigger than this. Stevie Nicks, the great Stevie Nicks. Almost every man in my generation had a huge crush on Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac. And today happens to be Stevie Nicks' birthday. (laughs) How old is uh, Stevie? She's 75. 75, geez. Wow. (laughs) Going on. What is going on, man? Yeah, 75. I had a crush on her, too. I love Everybody her. did. Yeah. And Christine so, McVie, the other female singer in this band, she's already dead. She died. The rest is still alive, I believe. Mick Fleet, Fleetwood is still alive. and They're all, yeah, they're they're all alive. alive, right? Yeah, they're alive. John Lindsay McVie. Buckingham? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Stevie Nick, 75. Wow. <laughs> I think I saw her about uh, two years ago with Jane Pauley on a Sunday morning. She still looked pretty good. I mean... It's kind of fat these days, but right, come on. Well, let's see how we look at seventy-five. If you, I'm going to look great. Are you, you going to make it? That's the only issue. If I'm alive, I think I'll look good. But I don't know if I'm going to make it. She's, she's I'm, I'm hurting these days. She's so. probably getting up the stairs still. Right? <laughs> she's still doing? doing live concerts. Yeah, I think she. Um, yeah. she still performs. I mean, Fleetwood Mac goes back and forth. Yeah. about take about Lindsey Buckingham in. He's out. He's not in. Lindsey. Yeah, he's very. He's a difficult person. <laughs> I like that song he did years ago. He he didn't do a lot of solo stuff, but that one song he did, I think I'm in trouble. Remember that song? Yes, yeah. I'm pretty good, too. He and Mick Fleet would go at it a lot. They fight a lot. Yes. Not like the Robinson Brothers, Black Crow, or uh, Oasis guys. Oh, Oh, those two idiots. Is that Noah and Liam? That's it. Yeah. Yeah, they are. 
just Wait, too much. Spic- they are despicable. They are horrible people. Yeah, they did something to Michael Hutchins at an award show. Is that said, right? Yeah. The former lead singer of In Excess. He was presenting them with a Grammy. Yeah. Because In Excess was at the probably tail end of their time. Yeah. And they spent a long time playing and making great records. And they gave the Grammy. And this uh, stupid Noel, he's so obnoxious, takes the takes the award as they're walking off the stage, leans into the mic and go, has-beens shouldn't be giving awards no. to up-and-comers. Said has-beens? Absolutely. It's oh, my look God. You can see it. That uh, is eerily similar, not in terms of off. the content, <laughs> no, to um, Taylor Swift and uh, Kanye West. Didn't you tell me Taylor Swift starts a world tour today or something? Well, that she's... Uh... Gnome was reporting almost the, the, this weekend at the Meadowlands. It's going to be insane. No kidding. Yes. Let's get Gnome on the mic. He is our news director, and he also does Gnome's Nuggets. Very popular segment, 825 every weekday morning. So uh, Taylor Swift at Giant Stadium this weekend? Uh, you know, it is insane, right? So three shows completely sold out. What's happened with Taylor Swift on tour in other cities, like she was in Foxborough, uh, where the Patriots play in New England. Yeah. Um, they had, they sold out the stadium and then another 20,000 fans came to sit in the parking lot to hear her. Wow. Uh, yesterday there was a line that was incredibly long outside the, um, uh, you know, MetLife Stadium. MetLife, right. Yeah, where people were waiting just to buy merchandise. They didn't have tickets to see the show, but they wanted some piece of the action. And so now in the Meadowlands, they're so worried about huge crowds of people coming just to sit in the parking lot and watch this show that you have to show a ticket just to get into the parking lot. You can't tailgate unless you have a ticket because they don't oh. want the same repeat thing happening as it happened in almost every other city where she's appeared. I guess it's fair to say at this point that there's no singer band in the world today that's even close popularity to Taylor Swift, I even close. I agree. I can't remember. I mean, about Bruce or you, not even close. No, because the age group is yeah. so rabid for her. Right. It's crazy. Like Elvis Duran, who I had dinner with on Saturday, is playing um, Taylor every day. And he's like 60, you know. <laughs> that's, what, that's what people want. No, I know. So he knows. She is far and away the biggest star in the world. I, yeah. I would say right now. You think she's more famous than me? Maybe just a little. Um, no. Not in Guam. Not in Guam. <laughs> I'm bigger in Guam, yeah. You're pretty big. Though. By the way, the um, the nosebleed seats to see her, I mean, the, the, the secondary market is crazy. Right? 200 bucks. No, 2,000. Get out of here. 2,000. For get, nosebleeds for Taylor Swift? To get into the stadium, nosebleeds, $2,000. Oh, come on. Now, you look, yeah. at, look at all these young girls and, and, and no, I know. everybody who want who go to their parents, and you got to get these tickets. I'm not getting anything. Now. No, okay. I took uh, my daughter, Ava, who I'll get to next segment. We, uh, we took her, Danielle and I, sh- to celebrate her 10th birthday. We are living in, in Boca. And uh, she loved Justin Timberlake. He was huge at the time, huge. And he was performing in, I think, Sunrise, where Vinnie Viola's Florida Panthers are now playing Stanley Cup hockey. And we made a big deal about it, 10th birthday. We got her a limousine, all her little friends, all met at the clubhouse. And we took her to see Justin Timberlake. And it was like a big deal, you know, all these little girls yelling and screaming and crying, you know. And um, I'm always amazed by that. I mean, I love my sports figures. I love my music guys, all that stuff. But some of these, these little kids and even older people, they, 
They're like crying and yelling. It's and, crazy. I mean, they just look retarded. I don't know if that's. Just... <laughs> I've never gotten that. When Me you were either. a teenager, you weren't like that. No. Right? I you... said this last week. She doesn't know who you are. She doesn't care. Right. If you had throat cancer, they're like, like Chaz Palm and Terry huh. in, um, in, in, uh, coming, uh, coming to America in a Bronx tale. Like he said to Little C, oh, and totally Mickey, Mickey right. Mantle couldn't no. care less about you. No. Ask, oh, go ask Mickey Mantle to pay your rent. Yeah, exactly. He's not, he doesn't know you. And I've heard that she refuses Make-A-Wish Foundation kids. And I, she also hates Donald Trump <laughs> and Republicans. Yeah, yeah that's, that's even true. worse. Yeah. And that's and, even worse. Yeah, when I saw her uh, stupid documentary <laughs> on Netflix a couple of years ago, I'm like, screw you, bitch. You don't like Donald Trump? You're out. Yeah, well, and the Bakewish kids think, too. But. No, Trump is worse. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, they're up there. <laughs> Not in Guam. But Gina Bina checks in. I love this young lady. Social media department with uh, Jason Malik. How do you say his name? Joe Malici? Mal- Joe Malici. So you got it all wrong. Right? Yep. And uh, <laughs> Seppi Bongiorno. She says, I tried to get the Taylor Swift tickets, and I contemplated dropping $1,000. What? She makes about 80 bucks a week at yeah, this she's place. Cra- she's another crazy one. She would do it. So. Yeah. You, you, like, what are you doing? You're yeah, taking your life be savings. crazy. The whole, the whole tour is going to be made uh, a movie. I time. walked by their office about two months ago, and they were like all dialed up, Gina and Stephanie. I'm like, what are you guys going for? Interviews? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> they were going to see Harry Styles that night. Oh, yeah, another... Hey, 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 yeah. hey. Was Jason going with them? Oh, I mean Joe. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fine. He does a good job at the uh, movies. He's like a movie critic yeah, for great. us. He's yeah. like our own version of uh, Ebert and Siskel. Except you blew him off on the. Uh, you, you said you were going to have him on to talk about. The no, you right? said we were going to. No, 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 no. You make no. these promises and you make <laughs> me look bad. You're, you're crazy. I mean, you're crazy. Maybe I did. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah. I, have, I have a long day, bro. It, it, a lot going on. Right, 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 right. That's right. You can't get up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, I really can't. No, you can't point. even get out of bed in the morning. I know. I really can't. Let alone a movie. We've got five or six guests stopping by today. We'll start all that action coming up at 7.05 with Curtis Sliwa. I do have Ron DeSantis in New Hampshire yesterday dropping the hammer on Donald Trump. And I have a uh, a beautiful letter. Don't, don't worry about fixing the mic at any point. I have a beautiful letter. Jeez. The mic needs Viagra. Uh, as long as it wasn't something else, I was glad it was just a mic. Yeah, don't that's, that's so at the bottom of the endless list of things I know, that I have I to address. At so point. I do have a letter from my, uh, my daughter Ava's law professor in Wales that he sent to her yesterday that I want to read to you guys because we're so proud of her, me and Danielle. And we've got uh, Lori, uh, Lori Blanchard. Is filling in for Joe Nolan. Nolan taking a four-day weekend. Joe Nolan. He is. Yeah. Yeah. He just snuck away. Nice to be the king, Joseph. Yeah, that's it. All that coming up. But right now, it's time for the seventy-seven WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under ten New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Here, Frank talks with Walter Sabo. About AM radio. Explain to folks why they should care if car manufacturers move forward with removing AM radio. First of all, to most of us, streaming is the the label for streaming. The radio station that you get mostly on streaming is buffering now. (laughs) That's the big number one station on streaming. It's buffering now. We are a long way from knowing how to master streaming media. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Uh, Justin Alec here. 
your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers to start on the diamond here. The Mets, they salvage the finale in Chicago in a big way with a 10-to-1 shellacking of the Cubs. Carlos Carrasco with Stellar on the mound for New York with his one-earned run through six and two-thirds innings pitched. And the bats finally exploded with 15 hits on the night, including a Pete Alonso oppo a shot in the seventh to put the Mets up 7-to-1 at the time. And now with sole possession of second place and five-and-a-half games back of the first-place Braves in the NL East, the Mets head out to Colorado next to open a three-game set. With the Rockies set to begin tonight at, oh my god, excuse me, at 8.40 p.m. <laughs> Max Scherzer will get the ball going up against Colorado's Connor Seabold. As for the uh, Yankees, they fell flat in the finale at home against the Orioles, losing 3-1 to one in a game. That's all Amir. Three hits from the Bomber Bats. The pleasant surprise of the evening was Clark Schmidt on the mound for New York, putting aside his struggles thus far this season to deliver a really solid performance for the Yanks. It was all for naught, though. As New York takes a serious loss in interleague play when they welcome in the San Diego Padres tonight at 7.05 p.m. for the first of three over the holiday weekend. Randy Vasquez is set to make his big league debut in pinstripes going up against San Diego's Joe Musgrove. In the NBA, the Celtics dominate the Heat, uh, 110 to 97 in game five of the Eastern Conference Finals to stay alive and extend the series to a sixth game set for tomorrow night back in Miami. If the Heat win, they'll meet the Denver Nuggets in this year's finals on the ice in Dallas. The Stars finally get on the board in the West Final with a three to two game four win over the Golden Knights. Vegas is still up three games to one heading into game five tomorrow night. They're trying to meet the Florida Panthers in this year's Stanley Cup Finals. Here was sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal in near you. They're the world's best built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on a Friday morning on 77 WABC. Boy. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. In excess, I may suspend Oasis for a while because the Gallagher brothers were such douchebags to um to Hutchins. What do you think, Lou? You want to suspend them? I I love the music. I know. I still love, I love them too. Great Don't go away. Wonder Wall. Yeah, they are very Champagne music. Supernova. He's just a a, a, a jackwagon. Yeah, but the uh, you keep talking about Noel, but is is he the bad one or Liam is the bad one? Well. They're just together. They yeah. they really They're toxic. Yeah, they fought on stage. I believe because there was only one bad Robinson brother for the Black Crows, right? Chris or I don't yeah, remember. I, I don't know. They, yeah. they need to eat hamburgers. I think though. Like Chris <laughs> yeah, Robinson is a I scarecrow. I know. I want to get to this uh, Ava letter, and I do want to thank all the listeners. I'm not going to go into specifics about what Ava has medically. She is still in the hospital, and it makes for very long days for me and her mom Danielle who I love dearly and is listening right now. Um, but she's getting better. 
We were at the hospital again yesterday. But we got this, she got this beautiful letter from her college professor, first-year law student, my daughter, in Europe, in Wales, and um, brought tears to all of our eyes. I do want to read that to you, but right before I get to Ava's letter, we have been talking a lot this morning besides the birthdays of Lenny Kravitz, Stevie Nicks, LeVon Helm, and others, about Ron DeSantis, who played a whole bunch of cuts. He played his announcement that he's running for president two days ago. We played that racist Joy Reid, her bashing him, even Donald Trump. But DeSantis yesterday did something he very rarely does, very rarely. He fought back. And everybody says the same thing. The one knock at DeSantis, well, there's two. He hasn't done it yet, and Trump has. The second one is lack of charisma. And some add a third, which is fight back. Trump's kicking your ass for the better part of four months. Fight back. And he finally did yesterday, not nearly as brutal as Trump. The one thing Trump has been able to do is, if he goes at you, whether it's he starts it or defending himself, you can't beat him. You can't beat him. And DeSantis, he ain't going to either. But at least he threw one out there yesterday, Salvo, in New Hampshire. This is uh, Ron DeSantis, cut number 19, saying the reason why Trump goes after him is he's afraid of me. Ron DeSantis, cut number 19. I think a lot of what he's doing is showing uh, everybody that, that he understands that um, I've got a good chance to beat him because he doesn't criticize anybody else now. It's only me. Uh, they wouldn't do that if they didn't think that I had a chance because I think they realize uh, I am offering folks uh, a record of achievement that, that's second to none. They know that I'm more likely to win the election. I mean, for him to say that, that we're not winning in Florida, no has taken a state from being a swing state four and a half years ago to now being a red state in such a dramatic fashion. You can't find an example of that uh, in the modern history of our country. And so we're proud of that. But at the end of the day, as a leader, yes, I'm going to get Republican votes. You need that. But you can't just do it with Republicans. You've got to be able to win with independents. And we even peeled off Democrats uh, because, you know, we're addressing, I think, issues that people care about. So I think people are going to be able to see that. And I think, honestly, some of his attacks against me, he's moving to the left, um, attacking me, for example, for opposing an immigration amnesty that he supported when he was president uh, for illegal aliens. And I did oppose it because I don't support amnesty. He also attacked me for voting against one of the bloated omnibus spending bills that he supported as president. And I agree. I don't think you should do those bloated bills. We're $31 trillion in debt, and he added almost $8 trillion in debt in just four years as president. So I think the attacks that he's doing honestly show that I was right on those issues, um, and, and he wasn't. And so I'm happy to have those debates, right. and we'll have the ability to hash all that out. For what it's worth, Ron DeSantis, one day yesterday, one day after announcing he's running for president, did receive in donations upwards of $8 million, $8.2 million yesterday alone for Ron DeSantis. Okay. Uh, let me get to my daughter, 19-year-old daughter, Ava Caroline Rosenberg, our first and only female child, me and Danielle. She's been home for about a month. She goes to college, as you guys know, in Cardiff in Wales. She's a first-year law student, just completed that. And she's a great kid, a great kid, just really smart and pretty and athletic and just a great kid. And we're really proud of her. But she hasn't been feeling well. 
for a couple of weeks. Actually, since she's gotten home, we've, and I hate to say this, but Danielle and I have spent more time at doctors, ERs, and hospitals with Ava than on the beach, which ain't great. And it's not great for her. I, I don't want to come off as a selfish here. I don't love running to the hospital every day, but she's the poor soul that's got to be there all day and all night. So, But we did uh, receive something beautiful yesterday. Uh, Ava's grades came out. I guess they call it grades. I'm sure Danielle will be texting me any second. And she did exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. Not easy. First year law student. Remember, they do it in three years there, not four. She's away, not just in a different state. She didn't go to Miami, right? She didn't go to Arizona State. She's in a different country. And yet she did really well. I mean, almost, I guess, maybe even at the very top of her class, the first-year student, or at least close. So that uh, compelled her teacher, her law professor, to send Ava this email yesterday, and it reads like this. Hello, Ava. I hope my email finds you well. Many congratulations on your exceptional results. Throughout the course, you've shown yourself to be resilient, hardworking, and intelligent, and this is reflected in your outstanding grades across the program. I hope you're very proud of what you've achieved this year because you deserve to be. Also, beyond your grades, you have shown an ability to tackle the difficulties of a year one course in English law with humor and passion. Please never lose your passion nor your work ethic. They will take you far. I hope that you'll stay in touch and let me know of all the developments that you made as you progress into the law school and beyond. You can always come back and see us, too. I have no doubt that our team will be hearing great things from you in the future. If I can do anything to help, please let me know. Many congratulations again on your outstanding results. I hope you'll enjoy a well-earned rest this summer. Best wishes in the knowledge that this is not goodbye. Well, how about that, huh? Not beautiful, Lewis? Yeah, I'm trying. I'm going to try not to cry now. Yeah. So that's very nice, though. It is beautiful. So she's killing it. She's killing it. Yeah. So I posted this on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney at Rosenberg.Sydney last night, and I do want to say this about the listening audience because you know I go off on the audience every now and then because it's not really fair. There's a very very minute number of people, and every big time host gets this. Stern, I miss. Doesn't matter. There's a very, very small percentage of people that for some reason, whether they're jealous or envious or just nasty people, they spend their days and nights on the Internet, on social media, attacking people they don't even know, like me. But the overwhelming majority, over 99% of the folks that do post and comment on social media are great folks, and they posted some really beautiful things. Telling Ava, I hope you feel better. Congratulating my daughter. Congratulating Danielle and I. And I want you to know that I read everyone. I can't go on the air every day and thank every one of you because there's so many. So many. But I want you to know that if you did post something last night, I read it. And I smiled. And I'll read it again today. And I'll smile again. So thank you for the kind words. Ava's going to be fine. 
So she'll be home in a couple of days, and she will continue her amazing pursuit of a great life in her college studies as a daughter, a friend, and just a terrific person. Ava Caroline Rosenberg, we love you. If I could just be everything and everyone to you Not enough time for all that I want for you Not enough time for every kiss Not enough time for all my love Not enough time for every touch Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. The migrant stuff, of course, is what has hijacked the news. You know that. What's stopping Mayor Eric Adams from saying the next time the bus comes? No. Our position was clear all the time that uh, we have to abide by the law. Eric Adams did not write these laws. Uh, we have a New York State Constitution, and we have we have had lawsuits. Uh, for many years, over 40 years ago, and those laws are in place. And I'm never going to do anything uh, that is going to violate the law. Sid and Friends in the morning. This is now the third different artist we're celebrating for a birthday today. We started the show with LeVon Helm and the band. Stevie Nicks turned 75 years old today. And this, of course, my wife's favorite, Lenny Kravitz. How old is is Lenny today, Lewis? He's my age, actually, 59. 59. Still looks great living down there in the Bahamas, riding horses on the beach. The great Lenny Kravitz. So we've got great music for you. That's part of the reason why this show is a huge success all morning long. And you did hear that clip from that epic interview I did with Mayor Eric Adams yesterday. In fact, uh, that exact verbiage from that little exchange is in today's New York Post. They were in a very nice story, Olivia Land, on NewYorkPost.com yesterday. But today it's actually physically in the paper, page 10, New York Post, and it reads... Don't blame me, Eric on migrants. I didn't write the laws. So here he is as he is now every weekday. I've rewarded this man 
with a spot every morning because he's that good. Noon to one every weekday afternoon, all weekend long, and I believe filling in for me with John Katsimatidis on a Memorial Day Monday, and a guy that just loathes Eric Adams, my dear friend Curtis Sliwa. Hello, Curtis. Before we get into all the mishigash uh, of you and Eric Adams yesterday and your revisionism, yeah. let me once again, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, applaud Lou Ruffino, something I've never done before. As you know, I've hated him, loathed him, despised him. Not this week. This week it's almost... Uh, I love porn. It's almost a, a love fest. Yeah. It's almost like uh, I want to tell Anthony Crone, hey, is that hub, hot tub available <laughs> for me and Lou to jump in it in the Rockaways? <laughs> Let me tell you something. That song, Lenny Kravitz, I Want to Fly Away, uh, tonight is part of the 44 hours of broadcasting I do all weekend. I'm <laughs> substituting for everybody. I'm doing stuff on the airlines because... There have been more fights on airlines than there are in the UFC and mixed martial it's arts true. together. It's the true. best one was in Trenton. Full packed plane, Spirit Airlines on its way to Atlanta. Fights, you know, the brothers and sisters like banging away <laughs> on one another. Yeah. And the actual, uh, not the crew, but everybody on the flight voted one of their passengers off. They had a vote like a commission? Yes. Like they we vo- do? They voted a passenger off. It was the best. Wow. As she was screaming and who, you know, <laughs> sister with an attitude. Oh, yeah. SWA. Yeah. I'm doing that all overnight. I'm going to do it for hours. But. Well, you mentioned, uh, the travel weekend and according to most of the airlines, and this is good news, right? Post COVID, this will be the busiest in terms of airlines, the busiest, uh, the busiest memorial day they're saying since 2005. Hold your horses. 18 years. Remember, overseeing all of this is Buttigieg, 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 Buttigieg. <laughs> yeah, true, yes. Who's probably out with his uh, husband, wife, whatever, I don't know the pronoun, <laughs> with their child, you know, on domestic leave, probably on the busiest weekend of all. Well, you talk about out with his, and of course, uh, Curtis is talking about the Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg, who once had his designs on the presidency. That's over. But you talk about uh, him and his husband. Did you see, first of all, Anheuser-Busch has completely fallen apart since making Dylan Mulvaney the face of their beer. Excuse me, I've renamed that Transgender Bush. <laughs> That's even better. Transgender yeah. Anheuser-Busch. And did you see what Target did? Yes. They lost like $8 billion in one day for putting all the clothing out there for, for homosexual children or something? What was uh, that about? Well, the swimsuit that they had out there uh, enabled you which I know you would love this because you like to wear those little uh, skivvies. No, not me, but go ahead. Uh, to pack your crotch in aye, aye, like aye, Dylan aye. Mulvaney so they couldn't see peekaboo, I see you. See, I say this all the time. We spend so much time talking about gay people, gay rights, and I'm pro. I'm very, very liberal when it comes to social issues, right? I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-gay. The fact is about 3% of this population is gay. Less than 1% is transgender. The Democrats make it seem like half this country is either transgender or queer, and that's not the well, case. Well, I think it's not, um, it's not blowback on the gays or lesbians. No. It's really the transgenders because they have become a political force. Yeah. You yeah. can't say anything about True. a transgender. Yeah. Now, notice, uh, unfortunately, your beautiful daughter is in hospital. Yeah. But let's say she was an athlete. She's training year-round. She, well, she is a great tennis player. Right. Great. So here a guy with a schlong decides, I'm not doing well against the men, you know. Uh, I'll never be uh, <laughs> Pat, uh, uh, J- uh, John McEnroe, right? 
but I'm going to all of a sudden identify myself as a female. I'm going to get the ace bandage, you know, and just try to tie my three-piece set up, and I'm not talking about a, a fork, a knife, and a spoon. <laughs> and now I win tournaments against uh, women. I know. But you're right about that. But when you say there's no pushback on the gay community, the target story this week is yeah. not transgenders. That's gay. Right, but and, it started with the transgender. No, I know that, but I just I think it's time for people, companies to realize that about 97% of this country is tied to the whole conversation. For example, June is Gay Pride Month. That's ridiculous. Have a Gay Pride Day. Not all month long. Every town in New Jersey, every town on Long Island has to raise the gay flag for 30 days. That's too much, Curtis. Hold on a second. You will be offending the person you identified as the number one performing artist uh, of our era. We're in the nosebleed sections of MetLife. Little girls are basically raiding their college education fund, <laughs> asking mommy and daddy, take a payday loan so I can see who on stage over this weekend? Taylor Swift. Right, $2,000 in the nosebleed section. That is ridiculous. Now, let me pay tribute, though, to Lou Ruffino. It rarely happens. He opens up with a tri tribute to Levon Helms yes. of the band. But we knew personally, actually, he used to smoke weed with Levon Helms. Uh, will you guys be going up to Woodstock over the weekend as you go on on your way to Naomi to visit with her in, what is that, the Jewish Himalayas or the Irish Alps? Well, we're not going. I know this is the unofficial start of summer. And, yes, even we talk about the Jersey Shore, the Hamptons, Fire Island, even upstate New York, the Catskills, it is the unofficial opening. But uh, Ava's still in the hospital. Yeah. So we're not going to go this weekend. Well, we'll, we'll be there for July 4th. Maybe Lou should go to pay tribute to Levon Helms. She's buried right there in Woodstock. Very good. Yes, yeah, and in by Beth the way, in Bethel. Let me tell you the worst of times, the best of times for me. It's 1973. I got a really hot date from Canarsie. And I go to pick her up. I got tickets to the Palladium. Who am I seeing? There's three acts. The preliminary act is Tower of Power. What is hip? Then war, slipping into darkness. And the main liner, the band, the old Academy of Music, which was the Palladium. And I'm sitting there by myself because she stood me up because her father. No kidding. Father would say, you go anywhere with that rat, and I will bend your leg and stuff it in his pocket. You know, in retrospect, Curtis, when you look back at your career with women, and uh, your, your, I mean, just long list of failed marriages... The fact she didn't show up may be good news. That's one less alimony check. That's true. But <laughs> my favorite band song was Knocking In on Heaven's Door, because how many times have I knocked in on Heaven's Door? <laughs> oh, you have a lot. And I, I think I saw you at your very, very worst point. And uh, Gabriel was just a little baby, and I just got back to New York from Florida. Yes. And they asked you and I to throw out the first pitch, a big night at the Brooklyn Cyclones game. Yes. And it was right before your surgery. And, and I'm being honest, I was scared. I thought you were going to die that night. I was dead. I was walking dead. Yeah. Uh, I was out there. They, uh, your great friend there. Steve Cohen. Right. Brought me into the trainer's room. Remember, I was on the table. I couldn't move. You were laying in the stands across a couple of seats. Yes. I was so sick. I had gone from 220 pounds down to 140 pounds. And some of the fans there were going... Curtis, you look so good. You've lost so much weight. <laughs> yeah. I look like a cadaver in formaldehyde. The pain. I, I was crying I on know. the train Terrible. coming into uh, Stillwell Avenue. But you still went. 
I say, and I bounced the ball like 52 times to the catcher. But you still went, and that shows the heart and toughness of one Curtis Sliwa. Now, what is your issue? I've now received at this point worldwide acclaim. Worldwide acclaim. Except from one journalist. And who would that The journalist be? who covered this exclusively for your many past interviews with Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan. Chris Sommerfeld of the Daily News. Chris Sommerfeld, could you find a bigger jerk-off? Well, wait, first of all, be kind to him. He's from Sweden. He always rides a bicycle around. I've seen him on his bicycle every day. I like Roger Federer. He's from Sweden. He was complaining. He tweeted out that Eric Adams has appeared on your show more times than any other TV show or radio show. He said over a dozen times. Uh, first of all, that's not true. If he knew anything about Eric Adams, which he does, he's a liar. Eric Adams is on MSNBC every week, every week. Uh, with me, I'm going to say he's done maybe wait, wait maybe five or six interviews, half of what Summerfeld is saying. Yeah. Chris Summerfeld yeah. is the City Hall reporter. Yeah. He is assigned yeah. to follow Eric yeah. Adams. Uh, I he hates Eric Adams more than you do. I, I dispute your findings <laughs> well, because he actually want. keeps track no, 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 of it no, how no, many times. No, no, five or six times at the most and is then, moron. And then he said yeah. you had your lips sealed on <laughs> Eric Adams' tuchus. You said, oh, he's got excellent people in he all does. of his posts. He does. What are you talking about? Hold on a second. The police They're commissioner's all great. Ship. What? She meets once a week on care. Sunday with Phil Banks. I hope it's in a church pew and not in a, a no-tell motel holiday in a Express. Those are two different arguments. If you're going to tell me that Adams and Banks don't let her do her job, I've heard that. They don't. That's fine. She's still terrific. Okay, then you... Molina's great. Oh, my God. Have you been to Rikers Island? Of course not. Of who course knows I more have. About, who knows more about Rikers Island than anybody else? Yours truly, Curtis well, Yes, you have. Yeah. Uh, why didn't you interview the leader of the Bloods Gang and the Cribs Gang and Trinitarios and MS-13? Because they run Rikers Island, not Molina. Put them on next his week. Own, I'll do it. His own correctional officers will tell you that. Put them on. can't even go into the tier. Hey, C-74, C-76, C-78, shout out. And what about Tish? Oh, my God. What is it? What? Pass the grade pool, Pawn. Here's a woman who was born with a silver spoon in her mouth, big enough to offset the trade balance between Red China and the United (laughs) States. Jeeves, Jeeves, pass the grade pool, Pawn. Could you pick up that piece of litter? What the hell is she, Sanitation Commission? Clearly you know how dirty our streets are in New yeah. York City? She knows nothing about sanitation. Clearly we disagree on this. My only uh, objection there would be Kavanaugh, the fire department lady. Oh, horrible. Yeah, she's horrible. Horrible. Uh, yeah. I miss Nigel. But otherwise, I think he's done a spectacular job. Don't forget, this guy, Chris Sommerfeld, he hates Adams. He hates me. He's written four or five stories already. How is it? That a Democrat mayor spends his time with a conservative right-wing Donald Trump-supporting radio host. This moron knows I'm pro-choice, I'm pro-gay, I'm not right-wing, I'm not Rush Limbaugh. But he writes things like, Sid Rosenberg goes to the same clubs as the Proud Boys. What? I will will have a conversation with Chris uh, Sommerfeld over Swedish Swedish (laughs) toast. Do you talk to him? Uh, I saw no, him at the inner circle. I, I saw him at the inner circle. Yes, he, he came you. up and he said, "Hey, hey, what's up with Sid? Why, 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 why did, did he really me say all that? the time?" Yes, he did. And I said, "Keep writing, keep writing, <laughs> Chris. Keep digging in, especially when all of a sudden you let Eric Adams get away with saying that illegals are paroled into our country. You paroled once you've done time." You're right. There is no such thing as parole unless you've done time. You're right. And uh, Bill O'Reilly came on about an hour later, Curtis. And to your point, he said the same thing. But Bill O'Reilly 
commended me on not killing him for that and letting him go. If you watch, for example, Caitlin Collins, when she did the town hall with Donald Trump, every time Donald Trump tried to make a point, whether she agreed or not, she cut him off President. time and time again. I don't do that. I let the people speak then, people like you, President. O'Reilly, then you can come on and critique it. Uh, That's why I'm a great interviewer. These transgenders are rotating in my medulla and cerebellum. <laughs> Did you say Caitlyn Jenner? Caitlyn Collins. Oh, you know, used to be the greatest athlete of all time, Bruce I know. Jenner. I know. My God, on the Wheaties box, right? Decathlon champion, yeah. Olympic Games, Montreal. And now she's attacking all the other transgenders. This is a bizarro world. It is, is it crazy. Not? It's crazy. Is right? it a bizarro world or it's what? It's crazy. Caitlyn Jenner, one of them. Yeah. Tra- I don't know if she got a three-piece set or not. <laughs> I don't know if she's got to do a tuck-in. But- well, let me, uh, hey, Lewis, do you know whether or not uh, Bruce Jenner had his uh, PB whacked off? Or is that? Uh, I think it's done. Yeah, you think, think it is done? done? No, no, it's not. It's absolutely not. I know when I announced for the mayoralty, and I came up here to WABC for the last time because they kicked me out the door said, you can't be on WABC. You know who was in the hallway and gave me a big hug and put it on her Instagram? She was running for governor of California at that time. Oh. Caitlyn Jenner. No She kidding. gave me a squeeze. And like you do, every time I'm finished an yeah, interview, your ass. You, you grab my ass. She yeah. grabbed my ass. And I said to myself, oh, my God, Bruce Jenner just grabbed my ass and yeah. fondled me and endorsed <laughs> me for the mayoralty. I got more hate tweets. I got more hate response to that. And yet I stood there with Bruce Jenner. I stand there with the one transgender who has condemned her. Not own. only the one. There's only one. Oh, right. look at that. Oh, my God. Flaccid. You called my interview, Flaccid. Right. It was not turgid like the last one. <laughs> you didn't take your Viagra, Cialis, Levitri yesterday. It was better. And then you called it the perfect interview. Perfect. What are you, yes. Trump? Perfect. Oh, the perfect call with Zelensky. <laughs> it was. The perfect. No, what is this perfect interview? It was perfect. You started with the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, you played the Frank Sinatra no, Brooklyn Bridge. that's not true. We actually started with Fleet Week. Yeah, yeah but wait a second. Yeah. Uh, fr- uh, Joe Piscopo, yeah. who's the expert on Frank Sinatra, has never played the Frank Sinatra Brooklyn Bridge. Right, that, that's a terrible job out of Joe Piscopo. Because it sucks. No, it's that's a great why song. Never, no, it's no, horrible. It's a great you song. played the no, whole no, thing. No, no. It's a great song. It was torturous. And then oh, you, it's great. Oh, I, then no. you did Barney talk. I love you. You love. Oh, wasn't it great <laughs> yesterday? You opened up a new park on the Manhattan side, the Brooklyn Bridge. That's beautiful. You know, I felt like Steve Brody. I wanted to be. I wanted to jump right off the Brooklyn Bridge. That was horrible. No, it was. The you were best, swapping. It was spit. the best interview. I, I, I nailed them on Biden. It I was nailed so them on the migrants. I told them, well, which way is it with Jordan Neely and Daniel Penny? Give us the real answer. I mean, it was brilliant. But, yes, I do massage people so they come back again. Massage. I don't do stuff like, I don't do stuff like you you're didn't, dead to me. There's blood on your no, hands. No, no. You didn't, That's just a you bad didn't massage him. You manipulated no, no. him and pleasurized yes, him. Yes, I did. Only the way two men <laughs> can do to one another. Well, that's how you get these people to feel comfortable and be honest. Now, on the way out. By the way, could you tell him to get a better phone the next time? Uh, I don't know if he was walking around. Hey, hey, Justin Ellick, it's your job to hang up on him and tell him, get on a freaking landline. He was kind of busy. There were 250 servicemen at Gracie Mansion who wanted to eat breakfast for Fleet Week. He did me a favor. I'm not going to yell at him about the phone. What's the matter with you? The connection sucked. It it was terrible. I agree. You would have hung up on anybody else. But you have this homoerotic thing for (laughs) Eric Adams. You wear the same kind of suit. If I have this homoerotic thing for Eric Adams, you've got the same, same thing for a guy that you texted me about later on in the day and begged 
me to come to your side with this guy, your homoerotic relationship, one Ron DeSantis. You want me to to, to stab Trump in the back so bad, and it ain't going to happen. No. No, He's no, the I, greatest I, look, American we've got. Look, he had a very bad start out of the box. There's no doubt about it. Elon Musk, the South African, said, I got it. Twitter, I got it. I'm saying, Tucker Carlson, do you really want to take your show to Twitter after that debacle? A total meltdown for a half hour. Hey, hey, Elon Musk, uh, call Cape Town. Uh, call, uh, call Cape Canaveral. Call Cape JFK, whatever you want to call it. What a meltdown. Then finally he comes back. But I'm telling you this, check the polls. Even though Trump is like just stomping DeSantis in the Republican polls, in the other part of the polls, the only person who could beat Joe Biden at this point is DeSantis. Understand that. Put him up there, 44-year-old, with the 104-year-old Biden. People are going to look at both. They're really not going to know DeSantis, but they're going to say, I'm going with the young guy. And by the way, Peter King, Peter King was stalking me yesterday no. in the North Shore of Staten Island as I was gaining signatures from Rusalan Salam to run. For the city council and safe Staten Island streets, he was actually Facebooking me. I see where you are, Curtis Sliwa. I'm going to be your worst nightmare. Let me tell you something, Peter King. I will get you until the ends of time. A guy comes up to me and he said, hey, Peter King said he graduated from Brooklyn Prep and you got kicked out. One of my proudest moments when the Jesuits shined their boots on my backside and kicked me to the curb. And I never looked back, Peter King. You can stalk me. It doesn't matter. I'm out there in the streets, not in the streets. I'm not there with your friends, the Nassau County GOP, who gave us who? George, I'm a drag queen, Santos. And that has been a stain on the soul of the GOP. Peter King, I will get you. No matter how much it takes and how much Sid Rosenberg protects your tuckers. Sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Got Jason, uh, Jason Trenner coming up next, chairman and CEO, strategist research partners, one of Wall Street's top thought leaders on the subject of markets and economic policy. He's a regular guest on CNBC, Bloomberg, Fox Business, wrote My Side of the Street, smart guy, and he'll be talking about a whole load of stuff, Jason Trenner. We are going to get Joe Tacopina back today. He's been away for the better part of two weeks. His grandson, Theo, was born He's in London. He was in Italy, as you know. So Takapina back this morning with the latest on the Trump legal battles. That's at 840. Hall of Fame boxing trainer, my dear friend, the king of Staten Island. Sorry, Pete Davidson. Sorry, Johnny Tobacco, Frank Morano, Vito Bosella. The king of Staten Island is Teddy Atlas. 
And uh, the Hall of Fame boxing trainer will join me coming up at 9.05, 9.25. Our old buddy Norm Seabrook, he is uh, home, and he'll join us. used to be the, I guess, the uh, Department of Corrections uh, commissioner. And then we'll talk to Rachel. You could tell at 9.40. So we got a great guest list still to come your way. Oi. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us? 77 WABC. Stevie Nicks, 75 years old today as we celebrate really three birthdays. LeVon Helm from the band, my wife's favorite. What the hell is his name again now? Lenny Kravitz, I can tell you were having a little brain yeah. issue. And then, uh, of course, this great lady, Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac. And this is a great, great song. Bo Deedle has been texting me throughout the whole break. He, he's not a big Tish fan. Let's start with that, the lady who runs the sanitation department. And then he was telling me that uh, Norm Seabrook, who's going to join me this morning at 925, I'm very excited about that. He was on Bo Deedle's very popular True Crime Story podcast. And I don't think I got his title right. Before uh, Norm uh, went to prison for a little while, he's back out and looks great. Former law enforcement officer, union leader, Norman Seabrook was the president of the Correction Officers Benevolent Association from 1995 to 2016. So that was Seabrook's exact title. He'll join us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Joe Tacopina coming up at 8.40. Noam Layden, his nuggets coming up at 8.25. Hall of Fame boxing trainer Teddy Atlas, 9.05. Rachel Yucatel coming up. At 9.40, but uh, joining me now, making his second appearance on this program, very, very smart guy, great business guy, once again, one of the real thought leaders on Wall Street, and that is our friend Jason Trenert. Jason, happy Friday morning, buddy. How are you? Happy Friday, Sid. How you doing? I'm doing great. Nice uh, nice to have you back. And if we're going to start with any economic discussion before we get to the great stuff you do for Memorial Day on Monday or even the, the, the crisis at the border, we got to start with these debt ceiling talks. I did hear yesterday that there was finally some, not a lot, but some progress between Biden and McCarthy. But I'm also reading all morning long that it's basically a stalemate at this point, and the debt ceiling 
talks are not going uh, very well, and we are right now in jeopardy of, I guess, a default, which would be absolutely crippling for this country's economy. So where are we with this? Yeah, so Sid, one of the first things I would just say, it, it's a little bit, I, I would argue it's a little bit of red herring to say that we're going to default because um, the, the country uh, earns a lot in tax revenues, m- much more than enough to pay bondholders. So we're, we're not going to default on, on our debt. Um, now, there may be government workers that don't get paid or there may be, you know, at a, at a certain point it gets very serious where you don't necessarily send out Social Security checks for a couple of days or something like that. But I just want to – it's a scare tactic that's used a lot of times, and it's just – you know, if you, if you look at the numbers, it's just not likely. Still, you want to have a deal, so I don't, I don't want to dismiss it too much. But uh, chances of default are, are basically zero. Uh, it's not going to happen. I think we're getting closer, and that's mainly because McCarthy did something that no, that the Democrats and, and President Biden didn't expect him to do, which is he passed a bill – out of the House, what's even more surprising, I think, for a lot of people is that McCarthy has been able to keep his caucus together uh, and it hasn't fractured. And so the, the leverage really rests with McCarthy more than it does with with President Biden. And I think they're trying every which way to to make that not the case. But it's it's not working. And I think at the end of the day, they're going to come as they have done over 100 times in the last 100 years. Uh, they're going to come to a deal. Okay, so you are very, very confident, despite all the really terrifying news. I was just watching Jen Psaki on MSNBC and others. Despite all the terrifying news coming from the media, we will get a deal done. Yeah, I mean, I think. Listen, I, I, I don't. I, I know it's a tactic that uh, that politicians like to use. Really, is to scare people half to death. I, I, you know, especially about things that don't you know, matter that much. And they completely ignore the stuff that matters a lot. Uh, but, you know, this is something where the, the spending in, in the U.S. is out of control. The debt is out of control. There has to be something that's that's done here. I think people recognize that. But, you know, politicians are put on earth to spend other people's money, not not to not to take stuff away. So people get a little um, persnickety about that uh, when, when you actually have to put some controls on government spending. But uh, Sid, I, I feel firmly that a, a deal will get done. It's going to look ugly I and mean, it'll look bad until it happens. You almost have to fail before it, it, it happens. But it's I, I'm quite confident that a deal is going to happen in the next two weeks. I mean, the one thing that blew me away from the Donald Trump CNN town hall with that uh, child, that petulant <laughs> Caitlin Collins, <laughs> the one thing that blew who got a 9 p.m. a weeknight show now, she actually got rewarded for that. Uh, although that was in plan, uh, a plan before. Uh, the one thing that blew me away was when Donald Trump said, I default. He said, listen, if I win in 2024, I'm going to go through the same thing. Unless Republicans get, I don't know, $5 million, $10 million, I would rather default. I'd rather suffer the short-term pain and fix this thing for good. I'm sure you watched it, too. Were you not shocked when Donald Trump said that? I, you know, I'm not. I was a little shocked, but you know, but Donald Trump says a lot of things a lot of us feel, but are afraid to say. And so, and, and frankly, there's a lot of Republicans like myself. Um, you know, I try to be a, a you know an honest broker when it comes to this stuff because it's my my job. Try to be fair, but by the same token, I'm a Republican. I think there's a lot of us that feel the same way, which is to say that the the long term implications of having debt that uh, accumulates 
ad infinitum with no checks and balances, especially with the Fed increasing the size of its balance sheet, the Fed monetizing the debt, that those are those are going to be very serious. There are going to be very serious implications for that. And it would, in my opinion, be worth it or in the long term health of the U.S. economy to hold firm and to, you know, quote unquote, default or not have a deal in time so that uh, politicians would actually have to make some tough choices. And so I, you know, I, I applaud him for saying that because I think there's a lot of us that, you know, in the Republican caucus that feel that feel that way. And um, because this is uh, what we're doing now is, is unsustainable. And it, we're, we're on the verge. It's, we, we could take a long time talking about it, but interest expense on the debt is going to go up dramatically. Yeah. Deficit's going to go up almost no matter what they do, because the government is actually going to have to start paying market rates yeah. for interest, which they haven't been doing in a long time. This is the chairman and CEO of Strategist Research Partners, my friend Jason Trenard. I'm obligated to ask this. I do it every time. It's it's lame, but it's obligatory, whether it's Monica Crowley or Larry Kudlow or, heck, Ron and Santa, and that is, A, this recession I keep hearing about, whether they come to a debt ceiling agreement or not. It's coming. When's it coming, and how bad is it going to be? And when are they going to stop raising interest rates in this ridiculous effort to knock down inflation. Look, inflation's five-something percent now, better than 8%, but it's still not great. So two things. When, if the recession is coming, how bad will it be? And will, will it, when will they stop raising interest rates? Well, so a recession, in my opinion, we're, we're on the verge of one now. I, I, would, I would think that it should start in the second half of this year. Everything that we look at uh, is, is pointing to it. We look at things like the yield curve or money growth. Or, you know, that's important with all the stuff, but... Are, are really indicating a recession is quite likely, and so I think it's I think we're on the verge of, uh, of that happening. I also think we're on the verge of the Fed uh, at least uh, Fed has a meeting in, in a couple of weeks in June, uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't raise rates at that meeting. I think that the indications are now that they want to slow down because the monetary policy also works with a lag. And so it's it, it's not the, the impact of what you're doing is not immediately seen. And so they they, under, they understand that they seem to understand that, and they they're probably going to take a break from raising interest rates. And I, I have a feeling if if I'm right about the recession, inflation will come down uh, naturally. So I think you know we're very close on we're very unfortunately we're close on both. You know, like we're we're yeah. close on the recession, but we're yeah. also close yeah. on the Fed stopping raising interest rates. Let's talk about the crisis at the border. That is the biggest issue in the country. Mayor Eric Adams, he was on with me yesterday talking about the migrants. It all goes back to the border. It all goes back to Joe Biden's failed policy. Joe Biden getting rid of the Remain in Mexico policy, which Trump used, which was great. Title 42 expiring. They did nothing to, to keep it going. They've done nothing. You know, they want to claim, my orchestra, that Title 8 helps. That's a bunch of nonsense. And it absolutely affects the economy as well this whole crisis at the border. Explain right. to folks, Jason, how that's the case. Well, I mean, it, it, it affects the economy in many ways. First of all, it's, it's uh, well, first of all, it's illegal, right? I mean, what, what we're uh, open borders, I mean, just to make my own political statement, that, that is not what people voted for. It's not the law. Um, what we're doing is illegal. Second thing is it's extremely costly because we have, Unlike the immigration that happened, let's say, 100 years ago, we have a very strong social safety net. You know, we have unemployment insurance, we have health care, we have all these things that are good for people that are in trouble, but they're, they're designed for citizens. They're not designed to have open borders, have millions of people come across 
the borders and and then be able to access those uh, those funds. And we just talked about the size of the debt. This is going to make the debt uh, even greater. And for a city like New York, uh, it's even worse, right? Because especially in the aftermath of the pandemic, because uh, you know you still have maybe 50, 60 percent of people going into offices every day. The city's not designed. Its economy is not designed to have 50, 60 percent going into the offices. Uh, Let let me emphasize your point. Uh, My my driver, Gene, takes me to work every morning. Now, we go to work very, very early, circa 5 a.m., but there's still cars on the FDR. I have to tell you, from about 23rd Street to 42nd Street today, we were the only car on the road. It was eerie. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, they have the thing that uh, the swipe cards, you know, that you get into buildings. It's called the castle systems. But they, they, we have very good real-time data on that. It's about 50%, uh, you know, throughout a week. And, again, you just think of the impact that has on small businesses and all the rest of it, right? So you have that. So the city's losing a lot of tax revenue in that regard. Now you have an influx of, you know, right around the corner from my office, the Roosevelt Hotel, Um you have, you know, that that's going to cost the Roosevelt Hotel in and of itself just for lodging is going to cost New York City two hundred and twenty million dollars over the next three years, Jeez. and that doesn't include uh, health care. It doesn't include school instruction, mental health counseling. You know, all things that we obviously as human beings, you, you know, you want these people to have, but mm. there are limits. You know, there as, as we know, yeah. and then as yeah. a taxpayer, yep. you know, we're going to be the people that are going to pay. Well, that pisses pay. me off. I'm sick of that. Yeah. I told yeah. the mayor that yesterday. I don't want to pay for these people. I don't want them in my neighborhood. God bless them. I don't want them in my neighborhood. I don't want to pay for them. And I'll tell you something else. Here's the ongoing battle. You can answer this. People say, wait a second. You want to get these people work authorizations, Hochul and Adams. You're taking jobs away from Americans. And by the way, incentivizing more migrants right now in Ecuador, El Salvador to come here. But the other side says that's not true. The Americans are not taking these jobs. Americans are basically lazy people. They're very happy. Some of the folks that are down in their luck collecting a government check, smoking weed and watching cartoons. And at least these migrants come and they work hard. Which one is it? Well, I think, listen, as an economist, you say everything has a price, right? And I would say if you, you're increasing the supply of labor, that's going to drive down the price of labor. And so maybe part of the reason why Americans aren't taking those jobs is that um, they're competing with illegal immigrants that will do the jobs for a lot less. And so if you let the market work, it seems to me, uh, people would take those jobs. But people don't want to take the jobs for um, off the books, so they don't want to take them for eight dollars an hour, ten dollars an hour. So it's a little bit of both. But I think I, there's no question that this is it's not good for Americans and the American workforce. It's good for for white collar people. It's good for you know big companies. It's good you know all that stuff. But for the regular, the average person, it's not good uh, because you're competing with a lot more people that are willing to do jobs for a lot less. Than, uh, than a citizen would. And, and uh, there are some people, uh, you know, that I, I would see this big social safety net. There are Americans that are taking advantage of it. But, you know, again, there again, you should <laughs> you should have work requirements. You should have all these other things Republicans are looking for in this debt ceiling deal to, to limit that. But uh, just from a, just a simple point of view, you're, in, you're massively increasing the supply of labor that can't do anything but depress wages. 
Well, kudos to you, Jason Schwenert. Many years ago, you started a campaign on Wall Street to bring the poppy back. And Monday, of course, we're going to celebrate Memorial Day. I've said this time and time again while you're on the beach at the Jersey Shore, Hamptons, Fire Island, upstate New York, eating your hot dog, eating your hamburger, and having a grand old time drinking those beers. Find a minute, a couple of minutes, to pay homage to the brave men and women that have given America the ultimate sacrifice. That's what Monday is all about. Most folks don't care. They just have a day off and go to the amusement park. But that's what it's all about. You certainly care. Bringing the poppy back to Wall Street. Tell the folks about that. Yeah, so, and I don't know if your daughter in in England is, you know, has mentioned this or seen it, but there, there's, there, you might see in the old days before it became a three-day weekend. You can stop right there. Was, I'm a, you really do listen. <laughs> I do. Oh, no, absolutely. No, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I love the music, too. Love the music. Thank you. Anyway, so, uh, but in, in Britain and Canada, they, they, uh, wear poppies ahead of, uh, Remembrance Day to honor, uh, fallen soldiers and in the u.s we used to do that but we don't do it anymore but now the american legion will sell you these they're these beautiful poppies it's based on a, a very famous poem called in flanders fields and all the money goes to support uh veterans groups and um and their health care and all the rest of it and so it's just a nice memorial and we've been you know it became less of a uh of a tradition here in the united states over the last 40, 50 years, but it used to be quite common. And I, we're just trying to get people to do it again. It's just a small thing you can put on your lapel or on your shirt that shows that you care about veterans and it raises money for, for veterans groups. So we're, we, we send out, they're, they're very inexpensive. You know, we send out, they're like 25 cents a piece. We send out a couple thousand to, to clients uh, every year and we, we try to wear them ourselves in and around town and all the rest of it so it's it's a good it's a noble cause i think and, and an inexpensive way to show your appreciation damn right it's a noble cause great job out of you jason uh you really are a terrific guest you're up on everything very very bright obviously i love having you on man uh thank you for uh giving us the latest on the debt ceiling thank you for what you do for memorial day you are a great american and a sid fabe so thank you so much for stopping by this morning all right man all right, take it easy. Have a good weekend. You too. It's my man right there, Jason Trenert. Strategize Research Partners, one of the brilliant minds on Wall Street today. A lot more to come next hour. Gnomes Nuggets and the return of Joseph Takapina. Happy birthday, Stevie Nicks. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
Lenny Kravitz, stand by my woman now. Lenny Kravitz, what did you say he was 59 today? Is that right? 59, right? He's Yes, exactly. He looks great. He's born in 64. There you go. Second half of the Sitting Friends in the Morning Show celebrating three birthdays today. LeBon Helm from the band, Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac. And, uh, of course, this man right here, Jimi Hendrix. It's not Jimmy. Come on now. Come on. He's not a migrant either. He's Jewish, Lenny Kravitz. Yes, that's right. Get out of here. Yeah. You get out of here. He rides horses on the beach in the Bahamas. I'm going to stand. Jump in here, guys. Come on. By my woman now. Yeah. I'm going to stand. Three-day weekend. The son of the son of who, what actress? He is the son. The son? Yes, yeah. actress. Yeah. Yeah. He used to bang uh, the chick was on the Cosby show, right? Yes. Um, Lisa Bonet. Lisa Bonet. But his mother I think is... They were married. Who? I think they were married. They were married, yeah. Married. His and mother was, is... Um, his mother was... Frankie Kravitz, my jeweler on Staten Island? Uh, very close. Very yeah, close. They, they, they related. Took, took place. Yeah. This, his daughter's very famous. This woman was on a spinoff in the 70s. Spin-off. It was a great... It was a great show. Which one? The spin-off or the actual They're show? Both shows were great. Both shows were great. Moving on up. Oh, so the Jeffersons. Right. So he is <laughs> the mother's kid? No, no. No, no, no it mom. can't be right. His mother was on the show. And who did she play? She played one of the neighbors, I believe. Her first I just and last name have the same. The only neighbor I remember was Bentley. I don't know who it is. Who, oh, is it? who walked on his back all the time? Was that Bentley? That was Bentley. Yeah, he was he also in the movie The Freshman with Marlon Brando. Mm. He played her uh, Penelope Ann Miller's uh, okay. professor. Roxy Roker. There Roxy you. Roker. What a name. That's how Roker's mother. <laughs> no? That's how Roker. She did weather, I think, too. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Charlie uh-huh. Marino, good morning, pal. And now his daughter's out doing... Zoe Kravitz is a huge star. Zoe's good, yeah. Huge star. Yeah. Is she in the United States? She's an actress. Yeah. She's an actress. She was very good in something uh, not that long ago. Very good in something. A lot of (laughs) A lot of things. She's really terrific. She's fantastic. We're all over it. Yeah. What what would uh, would Trump say? Oh, she was was Catwoman. Catwoman. There it is. What would uh, Trump say about her and Catwoman there, uh, Mr. President? What would he say? One of the great actresses of our generation right now. You know, I like a lot of Lenny. A lot Lenny. Lenny, you're not a bad hombre. You're not a lot of great music. Roxy Roker in her day, Sid, was absolutely phenomenal, yeah. enticing, yeah. and made the Jeffersons what it was. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Sherman Helmsley made the Jeffersons what it was. And Where is he? who made Sherman Helmsley? Carol O'Connor. Yes. They came from all in the family. Yes. Yeah. That's right. He did not like Archie. No, he did not. You've got Gnome's Nuggets coming up at 825. The return of Donald Trump's big-time attorney, Joseph Takapina, 840. We'll talk to Hall of Fame boxing trainer Teddy Atlas, 905. Norman Seabrook, who just sent me a lovely message about my daughter, Ava. Thank you, Norman. He's going to join us. It's been years at 925. And Rachel Yucatel will join us coming up at uh, at 940. So we uh the Ron DeSantis story that was that was the big one yesterday. It remains the big one today. But if you go to page ten in today's New York Post, you can revisit what most people outside of Curtis <laughs> consider the best interview done with the mayor in a long time. 
a long time. Me and Adams, as the New York Post pointed out yesterday, a 16-minute conversation where Sid Rosenberg went at the mayor about everything from Joe Biden's border policy to the migrant disaster in New York to Adams' turnabout in the Penny Neely situation. So we got a couple of those uh, cut here. One of those, when I uh, talked about immigration, Eric Adams said, uh, hey, man, I didn't write the laws. I didn't write it. I just got to follow them. This is Eric Adams from our interview yesterday, cut number 18. The migrant stuff, of course, is what has hijacked the news. You know that. What's stopping Mayor Eric Adams from saying the next time the bus comes? No. Our position was clear all the time that uh, we have to abide by the law. Eric Adams did not write these laws. Uh, we have a New York State Constitution, and we have we have had lawsuits uh, for many years, over 40 years ago. And those laws are in place. And I'm never going to do anything uh, that is going to violate the law. By the way, that conversation was actually 22 minutes. Again, Ron DeSantis is running for president. We know that whole Elon Musk Twitter, what is that called? Twitter space. Turned out to be a complete disaster. He's gotten killed for days over it. Joy Reid, Joy Behar, Donald Trump, all killing him. And deservedly so, it was a complete mess. We are What did he say? He said, it looks like we're melting the surface. Yeah, it did say that. But that didn't stop uh, DeSantis from raising $8.2 million day one yesterday. He's about to make his first speech to the United States later on tonight. And if you did miss the actual campaign announcement, that went well, solo on Twitter, Sans Elon Musk. It sounded like this, Lewis. Cut number one. Our border is a disaster. Crime infests our cities. The federal government makes it harder for families to make ends meet. And the president flounders. But decline is a choice. Success is attainable. And freedom is worth fighting for. Riding the ship requires restoring sanity to our society normalcy to our communities and integrity to our institutions truth must be our foundation and common sense can no longer be an uncommon virtue in florida we prove that it can be done we chose facts over fear education over indoctrination law and order over rioting and disorder we held the line when freedom hung in the balance We showed that we can and must revitalize America. We need the courage to lead and the strength to win. I'm Ron DeSantis, and I'm running for president to lead our great American comeback. I think he uh, pronounced his name incorrectly. Yeah, I think it's his own did. name, but well, the music, it's Ron oh, DeSantis. It. It's not Ron DeSantis. The music, yeah, yeah, the music did it. The hell's the matter with it? He was him. trying to keep in rhythm with the... Is that what Ron DeSantis. That's like the entire world calling the, the Kels brothers in the NFL. Right. Kelsey. Right. And that's not how you say their name. That's a very good comparison. There's nothing better than when a white person, a white person tells a black person... You don't know what it's like to be a black person. And this comes from a white person. So when I say that to you, you got to go, well, what moron, what absolute moron white person 
will tell a black person, you don't know what it's like to be a black person. Who would do that? No, you know who it is. Joy Behar, on The View just yesterday. Tim Scott, Clarence Thomas, you don't know what it's like to be black in America. I know, because I'm white, I'm Jewish, and I'm a millionaire. I know. Here's Joy Behar. Well, what's most... wrong with all of those things? <laughs> yeah. so... The most detestable human being on television, at least right there with Joy Reid and, and others. Joy Behar, cut number 13. And he's one of these guys who, you know, he's like Clarence Thomas, black Republican who believes in pulling yourself by your bootstraps, rather than, to me, understanding the systemic racism that oh. African-Americans face in this country oh. and other minorities. He doesn't get it, he doesn't neither get it. does uh, Clarence. Right. right. And that's why they're Republicans. That's right. That's why they're Republicans. They don't why. get it. They don't know what it's like to be black. You, you, they have no idea. You should, you, you should look at your arms once in a while, see what color you are. I don't, <laughs> I, 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 some of these things I just don't understand what the Republicans are thinking. Well, uh, Jason Chavitz on Fox came back at Joy Behar. This is uh, cut number 14. Lewis, it sounds like this. They, they would never talk about Justin Trudeau or some of the other things that hmm. that happened with on, on the Democratic side of the aisle. It's, it's just disgusting. These people are viable. There, there's a reason viable. why the Republicans are so strong. I think you meant to say viable. And you know what? The reason they go <laughs> no after Tim Scott and they go after Ron DeSantis <laughs> is because they are a threat. They're a threat to the very nar- narrative that they have oh, tried to perpetuate this. on the American people. He actually said they're vile. I'm sorry I played it. Viable. He meant to say vile. You know what yeah. he meant? I know what he he's meant. very upset. I, he's very upset. Is that a new <laughs> definition for viable? I don't well, know. I don't know. But you know what he meant. I yeah. mean, they're just, they are vile. They're awful people. They're, the whole crew of them over there. Well, I consider myself viable in any uh, <laughs> circumstances. I don't understand what the Republicans want from the yeah. viable a- industry. Viable. Viable. Yeah. Vile. You, that is vile <laughs> and viable, I would have to say. 1-800-848-WABC. As always, that's the number. 1-800-848-9222. And we get a run now, a great run of guests, Noam's Nuggets, Joseph Tacopina, Hall of Fame boxing trainer, the king of Staten Island, Teddy Atlas, Norman Seabrook. Looking very much forward to that. And wait till you could tell. All that as we close out this Friday edition. Don't forget, I'm off on Monday. John Katz, Matides, and Curtis Sliwa will be filling in on Memorial Day. I'll be back on Tuesday morning as we head to break. More of the great Lenny Kravitz on his 59th birthday. Stand by your woman. Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC.
Great Ray Charles. So as you're on your way, again, this microphone's starting to piss me off. As you're on your way right now to the Jersey Shore, maybe the Hamptons, Fire Island, upstate New York, going to go see Naomi in Sullivan County, wherever you're going now to enjoy your three-day weekend. You may be in the car right now listening to New York's favorite morning show. And if you are listening, you know why. i tell you how many people I said, give us a shot. And up with Boomer, the rest of these people, they never go back. If you're on your way there, remember Monday, your third consecutive day off, while you're off. It's going to be a gorgeous, sunny weekend. Hopefully you've got friends and family. That's what it's all about. Monday with your family, a barbecue. But I told this to the two folks at the desk when I left New York Sports Club yesterday, the one on uh, 23rd and Park. And I asked about Monday's hours, and they said, are you coming? I said, well, maybe. I said, but I'll tell you this. Whether I'm here or not, I'm going to find time, maybe a minute, maybe more, to pay homage to our brave men and women that gave us the ultimate sacrifice, their lives protecting our freedoms. And I said, you know, while I'm talking to you guys right now at the gym, there's a lonely kid in a cave somewhere, maybe Afghanistan, maybe Iraq, I don't know, some war-torn 
country in the world who would love nothing more, nothing more than to have a hamburger or a hot dog, some corn on the cob, with his mom and dad and brothers and sisters on Monday. But instead, he's going to be holding a rifle, not knowing whether Monday will be his last day or not. And I don't think people grasp morons like Joy Behar, who make millions of dollars to sound like an effing idiot. They just don't get it, man. They don't get it. I, for one, I think about them all the time. And the one thing you can say about me, whether it's police, fire, first responders, our veterans, and the same thing with Bernard, God rest his soul, when he was here. He was the same way. John and Margot Katsimatidis as well. We so appreciate all these folks. You know, I have a hard day at work sometimes. Uh, Now, I happen to have a really good personality. And Danielle, if she's listening, is probably nauseous, but uh, it's tough. It is what it is. I just do. I very rarely take my work home, almost never, never. And I try to be nice and glib as much as I can. Because the truth is, my rough day at work, (laughs) what does that really mean? Well, Danielle, these guys have a rough day at work. There's a flag over a coffin. You know, oh, come on, shit. Okay, we got it. Okay, fine. But, you know, we all have our daily stresses. So what? These kids are out there every day, and sometimes they don't make it back. They don't make it back. And Americans think watching Born on the Fourth of July or Platoon is enough, and it isn't. So take some time out on Monday and pay homage to these brave and courageous souls. Stop demonizing police, another group of folks, men and women, who also go to work every day, hoping hoping their bad day means, well, it doesn't mean they're not coming home that night. That's a lot. That's a lot, folks. All you profiles of courage, Tiffany Caban, profile of courage, not me. Not me. I respect, love, and revere all these people, all these people, every second of every day of every week. And I know, Noam Layden, you feel the same. Of course. No, not as strongly as I do, but fine. How do you know that? I just know that. I know it. Nobody does. No more, nobody more than you. Nobody more than you. Okay. Maybe Colonel Jack Jacobs, he's a five-star general. But that's about it, yeah. That's it. Noam is writing the list right now, actually. I you got a list of people who you think care more than I do? I have a lot of lists You can just over hear there. his beautiful you have no I did. <laughs> that was like a poem. That was great. Yeah. Even with this stupid microphone falling again. No, you be look, nice you, if somebody here fixes. It's only been, you know, three years. Now, I remember your, right. bad, your bad day at work. Yeah, that's right. That's right. My bad right. day at work that's is a not, limp microphone. I mean, I'll come in there and screw a couple knobs. It's not going to do anything. That's what he does on the weekend anyway. Right. No, we got three minutes. Joe Tacopina stopping by. What do you got? All right. It is the big holiday weekend. Get the boombox out. Boombox out. Head over to Orchard Beach, Coney Island, the Rockaways, South Don't Beach. Don't go to the Rockaways. I'm begging you. Why is that? 
fun is there? No. I don't like when these wacky people, they get on the ferry by the thousands, different color hair, different earrings, they the socks that don't match, they, they change the schedule, oh, they're they gross, oh. they're drinking beer at 11 o'clock in the morning, get rid of them. All right, well, I'm going to take you out of that negative mood. We're going to pick the nine biggest summer songs of all time. All right. You ready for that? No. Nope. Wait, wait, can we guess? All right, let me go. All right, here we go. Uh, number nine is 1982, an all-girl band. It's going to be Bananarama. You are wrong. It's the Go Go's. Oh, I was guess. damn! Vacation. That's right. I got nine. vacation. I got that right. Yeah. The... Other than the uh, the Virgin song, all lips are sealed. If you know what I'm saying. All right. Now yeah. for number eight, yeah. it is Prince. There was nothing bigger than Prince in that? the summer. <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna because there's so many songs. All right, okay, fine, yeah. In the summer of 1984, <laughs> there was no song hotter than this one. Can you guess? I'm gonna go with 1984, Purple Rain. That would be wrong. It is when doves cry. Number eight on the summer songs of all time. Really? Yeah. This is better than uh, bigger than Little Red Corvette. Uh, bigger than little, little Red Corvette in the summer right. of 1984. Okay. All right. When you think of summer songs, yeah. this is a classic. Maybe right. should be higher on the list. 1972. Beach Boys. Got it. Uh, Love and Spoonful. No, I'm going Beach Boys. You should have gone Alice Cooper. School's out for oh, the summer. I don't love this song. I never loved this song either, but, you know, it's a classic. All right. Number six. Well, is this a Rolling Stone list? This is No, no, I, I create, I actually uh, got the listeners to vote. Uh, tens of thousands of them uh, weighed yeah. in. And did you call my list. mother again? I did. Okay. She gave me this list. <laughs> okay. 7.6 million of them weighed right, in. That's Thank right. you, Judge Janine Pirro. <laughs> Uh, 7.6 million <laughs> listeners for said. This is number six? Number six. Where, where are we? 1989. 89. It's from the movie Do the Right Thing. Oh, yes. Jungle Fever. A classic. <laughs> uh, this is... Um, uh, Do I give you the band? No. Tone Loke. Um, Public Enemy. That's right. Fight the power. The Song of the Summer, 1989, number six on our summer songs of all time. And I just happened to see the great Flavor Flav clock it all New Year's Eve at a hotel right here in New York City. What's number five? Number five uh, is this is the classic summer band of all time. Beach Boys. That's right. This is going to be Supergirl. Girl. California Girls. You know, Number five on the list. Good. Uh, uh, good song. All right. I like that other song better, the one they use in uh, 50 First Dates. Makes me cry every time. The Beach Boys song with uh, Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler. Right. What, what happened? Uh, obscure movie. Number four. Obscure movie? 50 First Dates. Adam like Sandler? Yeah. Okay. 50 First Dates? What are you nuts? It's, it's Take that back. Sort of. Uh, <laughs> number four. That's number you know, four. That's how yeah. you know the song. Yeah, I forgot this, this song. Uh, this is uh, 1993. No. Uh, it was really the song of the summer, 1993. A rapper. I can give you that much. Vanilla MC Ice. Hammer. Vanilla Ice. No. Uh, Snoop oh. Doggy Dog, as he was known then, oh. and Gin and Juice. So what you gonna do? Huh. I got a pocket full of rubbers and my homeboys do, too. So turn off the I'm going to say this. Mm -hmm. but, but what? This low life, 
this cop-hating piece of garbage. You wrote a song just two years ago about killing cops. But this is a great song. It is a great song. <laughs> Do you have a pocket full of uh, rubber? Yeah. No, I don't, I don't have any of that. All right. Yeah. Number three. I'm with the same woman for 31 years. I don't have to worry about that. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this list gets kind of controversial in the top three. Uh-oh. Number three has to be Push Push in the Bush. How did you know? Great summer song. How did you know? That's On the right. beach every night. You're absolutely right. It is Marvin Gaye, Gotta Give It Up. Classic summer song, 1977. This is a cool tune. Is this the one that, uh, what's his name, stole um, Robin Thick? Yep. He, he actually lost his case, Thick, right? Unlike Ed Sheeran, he lost. Should have lost. Yeah, he did lose. It's a good song. It is oh, a great song. Oh, look at Alec, the white man overbite. Oh, yeah. Number two. <laughs> Number two. Song. <laughs> we have to go all the way back to 1965. Whoa. It was an all-girl group. Uh, Supremes. Martha and the Vendellas dancing in the streets. This is good. You got it like this, huh? Isn't this the one when um, David Bowie and Mick Jagger he made it? Or they, they actually did. made out? They actually it made out in the video. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of hot. Tokyo! <laughs> yeah. America! That's a good song. All right. This is where it gets ultimately the, you know, number one number summer one. song of all time. Number I, one summer song I of all time. can't imagine that anybody will agree with this choice. It's got to be something with thousands of people wait in. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the beach. Nothing to do with the beach. But it dominated the charts really? in the summer of 1979. There was no band bigger than this. A disco tune. Bee Gees. No. No, 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 no. Wrong. Um, uh, nope, nope. I can promise you, you will disagree with me. We'll just play it then. Training men. That wasn't 79. That would have been great. What is it? Play God, Lewis. I'm, I'm not playing. No one plays it. Oh, no one plays it. <laughs> I don't have them. <laughs> Go ahead, no. Oh, it's a good song, though. You just made Curtis happy. Sister, uh, uh the chic, good times. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good. It actually came out during the summer. Yeah, summer of '79. '79 dominated the charts. Nothing bigger. Yeah, but it's not really a summer song, is it? Well, we could have done songs that all had the word "summer." In it. I mean, if, if you were born in and around that time, or certainly afterwards, you wouldn't even know about this song, right? So, wouldn't it make more sense to have like "Summer Loving" had me a blast, like Greece? That would have been. That one song particularly, that would be better, no? I don't know, this is a pretty good song. No, it's a good song, but it makes no sense on this list. It was like that disco list you had in the Rolling Stones were number five. <laughs> well, they're two different, completely different lists. Two different lists. Well, this is not the right song for the summer list. I'm sorry. You have to have Summer Lovin' from uh, Greece. You have to have almost every Beach Boys song. What's more summer than the Beach Boys? Yeah. Even that uh, stupid Bette Midler song goes in the movie Beaches. Oh, what? Wind Beneath My Wings? That's right! Oh, God. Oh, that's such a beautiful song. It, it I cried when Barbara Hershey died. Well, right. well, I go, still cry every go, time. Go down the hall and watch a tape of it. Because look the What about Eddie and the Cruisers? All those songs. Tender Years, right? Um, what's the one that we uh, play all the time, the on, theme? On the Dark Side. On the Dark Side? Yeah. That's the, a Jersey Shore. The Springsteen sound alike. Right. <laughs> that yeah. works. You need Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, what about this one? Hot fun in the summertime. That? That's a good one? Yes. What about Fourth of July at Asbury Park? Bruce Springsteen? That's a good Sandy? Song. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. All right. Okay. That was fun, though, Noam. You just do such an amazing job with this. I really do. Yeah. I think 41 yeah. shots what was would it? be good. So 41 shots. Yes. yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. It's like 41 firecrackers going you don't, on. You don't, Highland Falls. you don't even know how, how great that was because coming up next is famed defense attorney Joe Tacopina talking about Springsteen and 41 shots. We'll come right back. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Sandy, the fireworks are hailing over Little Eden tonight. Forcing a light into all those stony faces left stranded on this warm July. Down in the time the circuits fall, a switchblade lovers so fast, so shiny, so sharp. Great song, Sandy, 4th of July at Asbury Park. Great summer song, Bruce Springsteen. My beautiful wife, Danielle, sent me a text. This one makes sense. Don Henley, Boys of Summer. Voila. That's a good one. Uh, talking about Bruce Springsteen, my next guest saw him in the same town his soccer team plays. Probably did this song. Also saw his beautiful new grandson, Theo, in London, he remains the top defense attorney in the country. Just ask President Trump. Happy to have him back in the United States, my dear friend Joseph Takapina. Good morning, Tak. Good morning, brother. Um, Lou and I had a deal about certain songs to play when I come on. That was definitely not one of them. <laughs> yeah, I know that. But, but that's all right. <laughs> but did, you know, do you remember if he played that song when you saw him in Europe? You don't remember. No, I don't remember. <laughs> I figured you didn't. I, and by the way, your your little grandson, you sent pictures, and he's in your arm, and you got these, like, massive Hulk Hogan 22-inch arms. He is a beautiful <laughs> little boy. Lots of babies oh are God. funny looking. They just are. He is a <laughs> handsome little kid, Takapina. Yeah, he really is. That's all Morgan. Uh, but, yeah, he's he really is a cute kid. My God. And, and you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just crazy, man, to hold – a kid like that, but it's your grandson. Everyone says, no, it's a different thing. It's a different experience when you have a grandchild. And I I was like, how could it be better than your own kid? Yeah. You know, it, not that it's better. It's just insanely intense. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. When I first laid eyes on him, I got to tell you, a wave of emotion came over me that I didn't know existed inside my, my body. Wow. So it was pretty, pretty amazing. And he's a, you know, what's important is he's a cockney, um, which is uh, a part of London and East London where the toughest of tough, were born, so I'm yeah. psyched about that. I love that, too. Yeah, Ava will love that, too. And um, the scariest part of Theo being born for me, and he's beautiful, he's a cocky, he's all the great things, but is that my buddy of 45 years who carpooled to Polly with me in the fifth grade is now a grandfather. <laughs> no, no, it's, I'm not. It's, no, no, no. The word is no, no. And it's not even grandfather is no, no. No, no. No one is allowed to call me grandpa. Ever, never. <laughs> so I'm 32 still. You know, so there's no way yeah. I can be called grandpa. No, you listen, you look like a million bucks. I, you look like a third. By the way, brother, speaking of Ava, what a letter that was. My God. I'm oh, you so heard that? I saw it. I read it. I read the letter. I oh, mean, that's it was incredible, great. Incredible, man. Oh, uh, thank you. Incredible. 
Thank she's, you. She's got, a, she's got her office waiting for, you know, her in, in the firm. So well, whenever she's ready. You know what Danielle just sent me? Thank Joseph for allowing Ava to intern. And uh, I'm glad you saw the letter. But, uh, you know, yeah, believe, it so really was a big deal. Right? She she, uh, she really enjoyed working with you and Matt, and she really loves uh, Chad Siegel. You guys did a big a big deal for her there, so thank you. Yeah, but she's a, you could see there was something there, something special. I mean, she was just a kid and, and, and just starting this process, but you could see there was something really special about her. So wow. um, I'm proud. I'm proud of her. I'm oh. so happy for you guys. So that's, thank you. that's a great thing, brother. Ah, oh, man, I love you. Joseph Takapina back from Europe here uh, where he belongs on Sitting Friends in the Morning. So while you were away, <laughs> our mutual friend, E. Jean Carroll, she decided that she didn't like what uh, our real mutual friend, President Trump, said about her on CNN. He called her a whack job. And uh, now she wants more money. And I was talking to your colleague, Alina Haba, on this show yesterday, and everybody agrees, even Dershowitz, that now it's pretty clear what this lady's been after from the beginning. It's really two things, Joseph. It's she loves the spotlight. All of a sudden, she's a TV star, and she wants money. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Look, it's funny. She couldn't talk about this corner her for 25 years. She couldn't say a word, not to her best friend, not to her family, not to anyone. For 25 years, didn't utter a word about this. <laughs> now she can't stop talking about it. Um, so it's uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. And let's not forget, you know, all she said was rape, rape, rape during this whole trial. Rape, rape, rape. Uh, she testified on direct examination and cross-examination. She used the word rape dozens of times. In summation, they used the word rape 42 times. Um, you know, it was all about rape because they wanted the next day's newspapers to have a headline, rapist. And the jury rejected that in quickly, very quickly. Um, so, so, you know, all they were playing for is, is they didn't get. And that's the most important thing. So, look, none of this other stuff affects the president. You see his numbers seem to go up, you know, when when these these allegations, you know, are, are brought. Um, but most importantly, the, 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 the finding of a rape would have certainly been a different yes. set of circumstances yeah. for the campaign and for the president. And it didn't happen. And I'm yeah. glad the jury saw right through it. And, um, you know, so... That's where we're at. And that's why at 3.01 that afternoon, I texted you and I said, congratulations, you won. You hadn't even realized yet you won. You were like, but wait a second. You won. I'm a clean sweep guy, Sid. I'm a cl- I, I, I know. I go to trial and I get a, you know, a full-blown verdict of acquittal. In this case, it was a civil case. It wasn't, you know, it was a very different standard of proof. It's 51%, not proof beyond a reasonable doubt. But I don't like to lose anything. I know, but this is and, Trump. And to me, those those other counts yeah. were, were, were nonsensical. It, it wouldn't make sense that you know, she was found not credible on the rape, which was the whole claim. And then they gave sexual Correct. abuse. But, you know, that had to do with the, the, the Access Hollywood tape. All these other women, the judge let come in and testify that, that the president did this or that to them, even though they've never brought a claim against them. So it was really um, an uphill battle, almost yeah. almost one hand tied, almost both hands tied. No, no. Tied. And, Cap and, and the fact that we were able to overcome that was, was pretty um, – and I understand why the president and the campaign – uh, gave me pats on the back, if you will, and congratulatory notes and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I for their purpose, it, it purpose was achieved, um, but it still wasn't the right verdict, in my opinion. I agree, I agree. But you were never going to get a clean sweep with uh, with Trump. Let's uh, yeah. let's go to the other case while you're away. This also surfaced the uh, the Bragg case uh, trial next March, and basically Trump can't talk about any of the specifics. He's going to be in a primary uh, yeah. battle. That makes it kind of tough on the president to win this. I mean, I, I think it is so un-American and ridiculous, but is there anything you can do about that? 
You know, I mean, it's it's a very slippery slope there. It's a tightrope he has to walk, and it shouldn't be that way. Um, you know, he can't talk about the evidence in the case. Obviously, he could not deny the allegations and talk about the case as far as the, the allegations are concerned. But, you know, how do you how do you parse that out from talking about the evidence? The evidence is what they're alleging occurred here. So, you know, he's on a campaign. This is not a, a citizen accused, the normal, like, if you or I were accused and we have a gag order, we can't talk about, okay, we go on our life, you go on with your, your amazing radio show, I, I do what I do, and, and we go on in life. Here, he's campaigning for the office of the president of the United States, and, and he's going to be asked questions about it on the campaign trail. So what is he supposed to do, say, I'm sorry, I can't answer that? I mean, this is, this is all unfounded territory. This is all stuff we never – I never thought we'd see in this country, but here we are. Um, but it's, it's, it's incredible that he would have to be muzzled in any way, shape, or form um, regarding his, his pro- proclamation of innocence during the campaign. You just, uh, again, experienced the birth of your first grandchild, Theo. You've got beautiful kids, five-year-old great father, Joseph. And I know this story, these uh, transgender kids. You know, we talked about this with Curtis earlier in the program. Uh, you know, Gay Pride Month is about to start in June. I think a month is ridiculous. I think one day is fine. And I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-gay. I'm very liberal. I just think we spend a lot of time talking about a population that makes up about 3% of our country. Transgender, uh, transgenders, they make up about 1%, less than that, 1%, less than that. Yeah. And we talk about them all the time. And now these transgender kids are going to be able to decide to change their sex without even asking their parents? What is that? It's, no, no, this, it's amazing to me. Look, if you're a 15- or 16-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid in this country, you cannot smoke a cigarette. You cannot make the choice to smoke a cigarette if you're 17 years old, okay? You cannot make the choice to have a drink of alcohol or enter a bar and be served if you're under 18. In some states, if you're under 21. But, but, in the infinite wisdom of this country, you can decide, I want my testicles cut off when you're six years old. I mean, or I want my breast removed. It's it's insanity. It is the, the definition of insanity. And look. I don't care what you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. I'm never one to, to pass judgment on anyone's own personal. But when you start doing things like this, this is dangerous. Imagine, Sid, I'm telling you right now, I, I'd be incarcerated <laughs> if I, my kids were in the fifth grade. Yeah. And, you know, Chris came home one day and said, oh, Dad, I want to be, I feel like Christina. And I'm cutting my pencils <laughs> oh, off. Oh, and God. Uh, yeah. nothing you can do about it. I spoke to my teacher and they encouraged me. Yeah. What do you mean else I could do about it? First of all, I'll go murder the teacher. Yes. Then I'm going to come back and put my son, lock him in the room, put a chassis belt so we can't touch him. So that's it. Me too. Same thing. Crazy. Same thing. Target Target now has bathing suits, Sid. Tuck-friendly bathing suits. Yeah, but but, but if you saw the story, but but the good news is is that uh, the public is rejecting this. Target lost over $8 billion. uh, And I don't like this, but customers actually threw this stuff all over the aisles. So America is getting tired of this. Right, Right, but America is getting tired of it. Look, I don't even want drag queens winning to my kids, let alone chopping off their testicles. I mean, this country's gone berserk. It's, it's insane. The, 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 the transgender sports. It's, look, I don't mean to sound anything phobe because I'm nothing phobe. I law, anyone can be whatever they want to be. And I'm cool with it. I really just don't start messing with society and impose your yeah. thoughts and your will and your, your decisions on everyone else. I mean, give me a break with the, the transgender issue. Look, you know, you're the 150th ranked men's tennis player in the world. You get your thing cut off. 
you become a woman, and all of a sudden you're the number one woman player. In the right, world. you can play ah, Ava. Boom, right. bang, boom. Yeah, you can and play you can Ava. Run. Well, I'll tell you a quick story. I got to wrap this up in a minute, but you know, I've been having some uh, back pain, some neck pain. So Danielle makes a uh, an appointment for me, Tack, to go to the hospital for special surgery in July. I've got some physical ailments because I work out too hard. You know, I'm old. So uh, we're at the diner, the G was diner, and we're on a speakerphone. And the guy on the phone is getting all the information to fill out the forms so I could walk in in July and go right to my meeting, you know. And uh, at one point he goes, uh, Mr. Rosenberg, what do you identify yourself as? And I swear to God, I go, well, I've got a penis. That's it. What I identify myself as, I go wake up and think I'm, uh, and think I'm uh, a girl. Or, I've got a penis. And there's only two, Chuck Todd. I'm sorry. There's boys. Or girls, I'm a boy, right? I think, I think every one of your listeners, I'm pretty sure I could say this with certainty, every one of your listeners came from the womb of a woman. I'm pretty sure. Ah, you're that. wrong. No, no, so, no, no. There are no, men, no. Men, men give birth now. Ah. Uh, I miss that. See, yeah. I miss that. I miss that day in Poly where they had the biology class. I guess it, but that's all right. You and I were always missing days playing Stratomatic in the locker rooms or doing whatever. We're that's true. Do. That's why you and I were actually voted oh, in the polyglot the two least likely to succeed. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not going for oh, you. Like me now, bitch. <laughs> Oh, listen, brother, I'm happy you're home. I'm, I'm really happy for, for Morgan and for, for little Theo and your whole family. You've got a beautiful family, but we need you back here, man. Got to talk to you every week and, and talk to you every day, quite frankly. So thank you for hopping back on today. I love you. Love you too, Sid. Great job. There he is. Famed defense attorney. What a super guy. Great attorney, but this is one of the most decent people you'll ever meet. My friend Joseph Takapina, that sets up a very exciting fourth and final hour of the week. In fact, my last hour until Tuesday with three great guests, Teddy Atlas, Norman Seabrook, and Rachel Yucatel. Final hour coming up next. Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC.
Happy birthday to the great Stevie Nicks. 75 years old today. This is Stevie. Hopefully, Curtis Sliwa won't, won't uh, put people to sleep. He's a great radio host. He's coming up after me today, filling in for Brian Kilmeade. He'll get three hours of Curtis Sliwa bashing me, which makes for great radio from 10 to 1. And Joe Tacopina just sent me this. I got invited to be in Vinny's Panther Bar for next season. Now he's got Panthers. He's got Rangers already. Panthers season tickets with Dan Marino and Wayne Gretzky. Panthers, of course, waiting for the winner of Vegas. Dallas, Vegas up in that series, three games to one for the Stanley Cup Finals. Talking about sports, my next guest is one of my favorite people, Hall of Fame boxing trainer. Now uh, loves the MMA stuff, too, UFC. He loves it. He's also, as I uh, always say, the king of Staten Island. It's not Pete Davidson. It's Teddy Atlas. So here he is. He puts on the best charity event of the year every November, the week before Thanksgiving, my dear friend Teddy. Teddy, good morning, pal. How are you? Hey, thanks, Sid. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great. Pete Davidson has nothing on you. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, except a few movies and maybe a couple of dollars in the bank. <laughs> yeah, but, um... that's true. He does have that. He does have Kim Kardashian, but he doesn't put on, <laughs> he doesn't put on the best, and I mean this, the best charity event of the year. In fact, when you texted me a couple of days ago, I'm like, wow, it's only May and he's getting ready for November. But in all seriousness, it is a lot of months of preparation for that, that great dinner. Yeah, it is. And we appreciate you coming all the time and, you know, just helping us get the word out about it, helping us make it successful so we can, you know, we can help people. Like we say, we help people that fall through the cracks, whether it's a, single mom who's got five kids and she one of them got sick and she fell behind the bills that happens to everybody and she's going to be put into a city shelter we don't let that happen they come to us and we'll make sure that they get an apartment they don't get put into a unfortunately wish i wasn't saying this but city shelters are violent um you know it's it's not what it was supposed to be and so we'll make sure she gets an apartment but listen we're not anything special we're not god we don't do any more any less than anybody else we'll get an apartment for a couple months and then when she gets back on her feet she's back to paying her rent right she's able to take care of it so we'll help get people from point a to point b if it's a also if it's a family that their program their health program doesn't the insurance doesn't take care of the treatment for a sick child uh they have to go out of state we'll fly them out of state to get that treatment they need a handicap ramp Again, the insurance don't pay for that. A lot of people think it pays for that. It's not stored or deemed as a medical expense, believe it or not. So we'll pay for it. Or how about, it wasn't that long ago, there was a mom, a single mom that had a kid that had cancer surgery. The cancer surgery cost $300,000. Thank God the insurance took care of that. But guess what it doesn't take care of? The 1200 a month for the cancer medication that right, the kid has right, to take. Right. So right. we'll step in, we'll take care of that. And we can only do it because, seriously, because of people like you that come to the dinner, that, that help us sell the dinner, that help us promote the dinner, that help us, you know, raise the funds to do the things that we have to do. So I, I appreciate you very much. Oh, I know you do. And I love you, too. So, Teddy, you sent me a text the other day. You've got a petition out there. And I agree with you 100%. You and I had a little back and forth about UFC MMA. And, and look, and I, I appreciate Dana White. I realize his success. I know people love it. But you're never going to change my mind. I am a traditional boxing guy. That's my sport. And I miss it. I mean, I'm, I'm boxing, too. All I'm saying is that Dana's done a better job of marketing, promoting his show, and 
No doubt. Opening his brand. No I mean, doubt. No it's, doubt. You're 100 percent right. The formula. It's yes. The same thing you do. Yeah, There's but no but you know what? But but the dip, I know. But but Teddy, you know, when the old promoters and we had all you do, you put on good shows every day. You put good guests on. Thank you me. have good content. When when you go to boxing week to week, you have the house fighter against the opponent. That it's not. It's not competitive for yeah. the most part. Right. You go to UFC weekend, weekend out, yep. you have a competitive fight. A or B can true. win. It's not just a house fighter. No, you're right. But my question is, we have about five minutes to go. Like, I know, uh, Teddy, when you and I became friendly years ago, and, you know, it wasn't the heavyweights of the 70s, but at least you had Tyson, Lewis, and those guys. And, and that division with Mayweather and De La Hoya and uh, Pacquiao and all those guys, I mean, it was just unbelievable. And what was it about the promoters? Because I know we got to the point where it was basically Bob Arum versus Oscar it's De La Hoya, right and that's it. National Commission. We know, because you know what's chasing people? Two things. You just touched on it. Non-competitive fights where you don't have the best fight in the best. Back in the 80s, you had the best fight in the best. And you had good fights, but you have good fighters today, too. But you had Sugar Ray Leonard, you had Tommy Hearns, you had Roberto Duran. Hagler. And they were, Hagler, they all were fighting each other. That's the formula. That's all you need. That's one of the problems. The other problem is the bad decisions, the, whether, whether it's corrupt or whether it's inept, incompetence. It doesn't matter. It's chasing people away from the sport. We, it's come time. I said it on my, I said it the other day on my podcast, and we got two hundred thousand views in twelve hours. And we we put up a petition, and I know you're going to put it up there for people to see it. Yep. But it's to get a national commission. Simply said, there's no separation between between church and state. What do I mean by that? The people that are making money in the sport. It's connected to the people that are the administrators of the sport. There is no separation. There are no walls up. I'll give you a quick, just a quick visible, uh, just just a vision for people out there where they can understand it. I've been to many, many dinners where the night before one of the biggest events in boxing going on, you have a huge dinner with all the officials there, all the officials, all the judges, all the referees that are really going to be deciding who wins and loses the fight the next night. Besides the talents of the fighter, it comes down to a decision. They're going to decide. And they're at this dinner. It's a, and it's got everything. It's got stuff that I've never eaten, like caviar. And, <laughs> and, you know, and it's got all the best steaks yeah. and everything and the best wines. And guess all these people that are there, all the officials of the organizations and the commissions that are going to be working the fight the next night, it's hosted by the promoter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, now listen, uh, let me ask a simple question because uh, yeah, I know there's not a lot of time. So, again, I want to make a visual for people. Let's say that the Steinbrenners were throwing that dinner and all the umpires and all the, and okay. all the officials – no for big. the World Series game, the next day we're at that dinner, right. and the dinner was hosted by the Steinbrenners. Would that be possible? No, it wouldn't be possible because there's an oversight. There's a national commission to make sure there's a separate. And now people say, well, where's the graft, Teddy? Where, where's the payoff? Well, it's not a cigar-filled room, smoky room like, like in the movies. Like really did happen in the old days with an envelope of cash going under the table. Like, no, it's not that. But you know what's at the table? You're sitting at the table, and you got one of the officials, one of the reps, one of the judges, right. and he leans over 
to one of the people that works for the promoter says, listen, my girlfriend's coming in. I'd like to get an extra plane ticket. You oh, know, my okay, God. We'll talk about it later. Wow. Oh, I, you know what? My wife's coming in for the week. I'd like to extend it a couple of days, my room, and I'd like to upgrade to a suite. That's that's graft. That's not just the look of impropriety. It is impropriety. Until that's separated, we're never going to have an honest sport. The sport's going to lose its credibility. And I, I just I put 50 years into this sport. I, I wanted to stop the bleeding, literally, because people, they bleed. They leave their, their, they leave their dreams in that ring, and then they get robbed. They get, I want it to stop, and the only way it can stop, we, we have a petition. We already have 6,000 signatures in two days. We, we want to get a lot more, and we're bringing it to Congress. We already have it set up to go to Congress. I, we, we have to make change. I love this. John McCain was a guy, God rest his soul, that um, was very pro-boxing commission, too. By the way, the uh, podcast you do with Ken Ride out the fight, my overnight guy, Frank Morano, loves it. He's another Staten Island guy. He listens, and he oh, says it's you. a great podcast. Okay, so on the way out here, Teddy, when there's nobody more passionate than you, whether it's charities or boxing or, heck, even having a conversation with your friends like me, the folks who want to help, and, uh, yes, petition posted on, on my social media, too, but folks who want to help you with this, what is the quickest and easiest way to do it? You're talking to a caveman. Do you understand? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, where, well where's what's her name? Where's Sharon? Can't you get Sharon to help you with this, too? They can, listen, they could go to YouTube. They can go to the fight on <laughs> with Teddy Atlas, yeah. you know, print it in. It'll pop up. Go go to that. We're on all the iTunes, you know, media channels. Yep. Uh, I I think I they tell me I have a website. Teddy you do. Atlas something. You do. TeddyAtlas.com. <laughs> all right. 30 seconds. Teddy Atlas. You ready? And don't tell yes, me. Sir. Don't tell me uh, it's hard to do with different eras. Give it to me like Bert Sugarwood. Here we go. The greatest boxer ever and the greatest UFC fighter ever. I like, for UFC, I like Anderson Silva. I mean, I've, I've never seen anybody. He's, he was extreme. He was like Bruce Lee. He he brought it. He pioneered it. He brought it to a different level. He did what Customata used to say about great fighters. He made it up as he did it. And the great ones could do it, like like a like a Louis Armstrong inventing a new note on on the trumpet. Hmm. I mean, he just right. yeah, he uh, or Jimi Hendrix hitting a new string <laughs> yeah. on the guitar. Yep. Yeah, yep. he could just make it up as he did it. And as far as fighter, a lot of guys ain't gonna know, but you go back to Henry Armstrong. Yes, Henry Armstrong had two hundred fifty, almost three hundred professional fights. He fought like thirty five times in one year. He won the featherweight, the lightweight, the welterweight title, all <laughs> full titles, no in between junior titles, full. Th- and he simultaneously defended them. I mean, this guy was a monster, and he, and he fought everybody, and he had the best. Monica, he had the best fighting name, Homicide Hank. When you got a call from your manager, okay, how much? All right, when? Okay, no problem. Who am I fighting? Homicide Hank. Click. <laughs> that is a great nickname, Homicide Hank. Hank. Homicide oh, Hank. Oh, God, I love it. Better. No, you don't. He put, his, he put his head into your chest, and he backed you up all night long. Henry Armstrong. He was he was just 
He was a monster. He was a monster of a man. Yeah, he was a, a great champ. He was a great champ. But uh, in my opinion, the greatest champ of all time, Teddy, is you. So good luck with this petition. I'll help you, of course, and keep talking. And uh, you and I will talk often. I can't wait to see you again for your big dinner coming up in November. I love you, pal. Thank you so much. I love you. Listen, you're a lot more than just a great radio host and a guy that knows how to put the right guest on and knows how to keep an audience going. You're a good man. You come, you help us help people. I appreciate it. Thank you. Wow. That's the hell out of my day. I mean that, Teddy. Thank you. The great Teddy Atlas, Hall of Fame boxing trainer and an even better person. Teddy. I love you, man. Coming up next, I was so happy to see this guy a couple of days ago just outside the elevators. Hadn't seen him in years. So his daughter a couple of years ago, but not him. Norman Seabrook joins me on Sitting Friends in the Morning next. Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Come on. Beautiful day. Three-day weekend coming up. Memorial Day. Just heard from my great buddy Tim McCarthy. I love Tim McCarthy, man. Used to work at WABC. The brains behind ESPN in New York. Does that dinner every year with um, Scott Herman. He's just a terrific guy and a brilliant radio guy, so thank you, Timmy. You know, uh, I said to Teddy Atlas, I said, uh, I think John McCain fought to get um, boxing license way back when. And you know who else did it with him? Peter King. That's right, our good buddy Peter King. I forgot about that. Was right there standing alongside John McCain. So King's a big boxing fan, too. My next guest is a guy that I really grew to like over the years. You know, I didn't meet him much. In fact, I, I saw his daughter every day. Lovely girl. She's moved away since, but she worked at WABC. But I knew all about Norman Seabrook. And, you know, of course, I love the cops. And this guy represented about 9,000 officers that worked for the New York City Department of Correction. He was a big union guy, you know, and uh, all the cops loved him and uh, had a really, really fine career. Had a hiccup. We all have. But I saw him a couple of days ago, and God bless him, he looks great, and I hope he's doing great. He just did Bo Deedle's Two Kaya Crime Podcast. Here's my friend Norman Seabrook. Big Norm, how's it going, buddy? Good morning, brother. How are you, sir? I'm great. You looked uh, great when I saw you a couple of days ago. So, you know, I know everybody knows your story, and you went away for a little bit, but sometimes people come out, and they look like they were away a lot longer. To your credit, you look great. Well, Sid, let me let me say this to you. I wish I looked as good as you do. <laughs> <laughs> You're very sweet. You know, Thank you. Thank you. But, but in 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 all reality, going away um, to me it was a cleansing. 
it really was a cleansing. God has blessed me, man. I mean, it got it gave me the opportunity to get rid of people that were around me that I thought were my friends that were not my friends. And that's when you get the opportunity to know who your true friends are. That's when you get the opportunity to know just how strong your relationship and your bond is with your family, your wife and your children. You know, I'll be married 40 years this year, and my wife held it down, and, and I'm grateful for that. And, you know, I come back, and, you know, I'm, I'm rebounding to do what it is that has to be done, not only for my family and I, but also for those that cannot speak for themselves, those that cannot lift themselves up. Uh, the correction department is it's insane uh, right now, and, and then you look around, you have all the immigrants coming in. I understand that, but they want to talk about spending billions of dollars to build jails when they hear the same story come out of their mouths in City Hall talking about we need housing. So switch from building jails to start to build housings and save those billions of dollars and you know do something with the island that's there yep. to make it more accommodating for the visitors, for the civilians, for the officers, and for the inmates as well. Yeah, I want to get to Rikers in a second, but you just sounded a lot like my friend Craig Carton. And uh, Craig is a huge radio star. Afternoons now on WFAN. But he did mornings for many years alongside Boomer Esiason. And he got in some trouble. And he went to prison for a couple of years. And one of the first things he said to me, Norm, when he came out was, man, I really found out who my friends are. So, and you said the same thing. And, of course, your family uh, helped keep it down. And so did his, his lovely wife, Kim with their children, that seems to be an ongoing theme, right? I mean, when things are going great, man, and you're the butt of the ball like I am right now, they all want to be your friend. But when I got fired on the cover of Deadspin, my phone never rang, Norm. It never rang. You're absolutely right. And someone told me a long time ago, success has many fathers, but failure is an orphan. And, you know, listen, I still maintain my innocence. You know, I will continue to do that. I will continue to fight uh, the good fight, because like I said, God has blessed me. You know, Sid, when you're when you're away, uh, like myself was in West Virginia, okay, okay, yeah, West Virginia, eight and a half hours from New York City. You really get an opportunity to reflect on your life. You really get an opportunity to really take a good look, hard look, and your faith has to be strong. Faith not tested is faith not trusted. I'm I'm so at peace with myself, so at peace with everything that's going on around me, you know, and it feels good and it feels good. And I thank you and I thank Bo uh, for giving me the opportunity to to at least express myself and get people to understand exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being able to nurture your foundation. Because at the end of the day, man, that's all we got. I heard you talk about your daughter. I hear you talk about your wife. I hear you talk about your mom. That's the foundation, man. That's the foundation that we have to build on, not just yep. destroy. And that's why I get big ratings. I kind of had a back and forth with Craig Kelly last week, and he thought I was kidding. He gets a 2.7. I got a 7.6. He thinks he's has to come on the air and talk about Donald Trump for two hours. And, no, you build a relationship. A close relationship. People stop me in the street. They don't care what I said about Eric Adams or Donald Trump. They ask about Danielle or Ava or Gabriel or Naomi. To your point, you're exactly right. Now, you talked about Rikers Island. I want to get back there. But let's talk about the way the city is set up. I hope you heard it, but I had Lou Molina on. He uh, runs the Department of Corrections. He's the commissioner. He was on, I believe, Monday or Tuesday, Norm. And, uh, look, Eric Adams was on yesterday. I have a good relationship with the commissioner, Keyshawn Sewell. I happen to like her. In terms of the administration, 
who's watching this city, all that's going on, are you confident it's the right group, even though the numbers aren't great? I, you know, I'm confident that the commissioner, well, listen, let me back up. The commissioner was appointed by the mayor. He will, he or she will do whatever it is instructed by City Hall to do. If they're instructed to say nice things, they're going to say nice things. If they're instructed to say bad things, they're going to say whatever it is. But I think that he was being a little disingenuous. There are correction officers that work triple tours, no lunch, no dinner, no breaks. There are officers that are being assaulted on a daily basis. There are inmates being assaulted because there's not enough officers to supervise the inmates. There are individuals, excuse me, like um, support staff members, which are, are civilians, doctors or social workers or whatever the case may be, that can't make their rounds to ensure that the individual that they're supposed to be helping is receiving the help that they need because they don't have the staff to escort them to the area. So he's being a little disingenuous, and I think it's unfair to the public. I think that the public needs to understand that the men and women that don that uniform go through hell every single day. There's not a peaceful day that I can ever think of in my 20 years as union president or 10 years as an officer that there's nothing happening in a city's jail system. So it has to be reorganized. And and to the credit of the commissioner, he's trying to do the best that he can right. with what he has. And right. I give him credit for that because at the end of the day, this is not about bashing him. This is about helping him to make the right changes that are necessary to make the city safe to make the inmates safer, the staff safer, and him safer. Because at the end of the day, when the sun rises in the morning, no mother wants to get a phone call that their child has been killed in the city's jail system. And no parent or no wife or husband wants to get a phone call that their loved one is at the hospital because they were assaulted, slashed, stabbed, or whatever the case may be. So until we come together collectively and really come up with solutions that affect the city of New York and the people that are assigned there, then we'll have a better system. God, you still sound great, too. I know you had a big-time radio show in New York. You can come here and work any day, which you should. Hey, John and Chad, give Norm Seabrook a show. About three minutes, I mean it, about three minutes to go. You really sound great. I brought up a story to the commissioner how an inmate threw urine in a cop's face, and the cop, in turn, went and did the same thing to the inmate. I know that's not ideal. You'd like to see the cops show a little more morality than the criminals. I understand that, but... I was okay with it because I'm a Brooklyn guy. I'm eye for an eye. But on a serious note, you came up with the feces bill, which had prisoners throwing duty in the faces of these cops. And that was a very important bill, Norman. That was a great job out of you. Thank you. A significant piece of legislation I've had in George Pataki, Governor Pataki. I love him. He he gave New York City correction officers 35 pieces of legislation that made them equal to NYPD and and a little bit further because it's important. Now, the officer that urinated in a cup and threw it back on the on the inmate. I, look, the guy just had enough that day. There's no question right. about it. He just had enough that day. But the inmate should have been rearrested immediately and charged with assault on a New York City correction officer. Unfortunately, we don't know the circumstances on whether or not the inmate was rearrested or was he rearrested in a timely fashion. Hmm. It's unfortunate that these are the things that they face on a, every single day. When someone throws feces in your face and it falls in your 
your mouth. Mm. You then have to have all these exams to ensure that these that the blood that was in the feces was not contaminated and it has AIDS or hepatitis or something like that. So it, it, it's really difficult. It's a very difficult job. It's a very stressful job. It's a very um, job that is not publicized because I, in jail, out of sight, out of mind. But I'm here to tell you that until the, the city of New York recognizes New York City correction officers as they do and should the police department and the fire department as a, as a, as a trio of law enforcement that holds the communities together and keeps inmates safe, officers safe, and civilians safe, we are going to repeat this problem over mm. and over again. I agree with you. Uh, my wife, Danielle, checks in. Uh, she says, true stat, 50% of the workers in the Department of Corrections are females? Is that true? That is accurate. That is very accurate. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, I think that, and I give the women in the New York City Department of Corrections a lot of credit because, hell, they, they, they're, they're tough. They're tough women. And they, and they hold down not only their responsibility <clears throat> excuse me, as a correction officer, but they hold down their responsibility as a mother, you know, a lot of them. And, and it's, an, it's important that people give them the recognition that they so rightfully deserve. Wow. So in the last 60 seconds, Norman, I want you to keep coming back. I mean that. Um, the, um, Rikers Island, I, I just don't get it. You know, if it was me, Norm, I'd put everybody there. I'm serious. I would put criminals there, more of them. I would put, uh, the, uh, the migrants there. I would carve out a space for the homeless. You've got acres and acres of unused land there. I'd put them all there. Well, stop Absolutely. building, don't build jails in, in, uh, Bell Harbor. You know, don't, don't try to put... The mental institutions, uh, that moron Cuomo shut them all down, put all these people on Rikers Island, no? Absolutely, and I and I think that there's for over 400 acres of land there that can be used and utilized to be able to be helpful to a lot of people. Uh, it could be helpful to the homeless. It could be helpful to the detainees. It could be helpful to the migrants that come in. And half of the island is closed right now, so they need to utilize that and not put them in a jail cell. I'm not talking about put them in a jail cell. We have dormitories. Okay, that are portable. You could put a portable dormitory out there that will put 100 to 150 people in one area with showers and toilets and everything else that's necessary for them to have their stationary products, uh, sanitary products, I'm sorry, that, that's needed. And you need to be able to do that. You can't spend billions of dollars. And I understand people are going to say, but that's the law. But then again, let's talk about the law. They are already trying to change the Constitution, which is the Second Amendment of the United States. So those laws are made to be changed. They can be changed. You understand? And I think yep. that if they sit down and really take a look at this and really, really look at this, the billions of dollars that they want to put in someone's community to build a jail is going to bring down the value of that home. That's when that right. home value decreases, then it's just a matter of time before it's a loss and they're going to walk away from it. And it's just going to become what the Bronx used to be mm. 50 years yep. ago. It's yep. horrible. That's yep. not the answer. Norman Seabrook, you're the answer, man. Man, it's good to catch up with you. You look great. I you sound you. great. I love you, too. Please keep coming back. I mean, we need some we need some sane voices here in New York City, and you're, you're both sane and brilliant. So thank you so much. 
Thank you so much, and a blessed, blessed Memorial Day weekend. And please let us not forget, like you said, those young brothers and sisters that are holding rifles and and riding tanks in in other countries to protect our country, to give us freedom so that we can have this conversation on the phone. God bless you, my friend, and my best to your mom, your daughter, your son, your wife, everyone. You too. Best to you too. What a great man. Norman Seabrook will do it again very soon. Thank you, Norman. We'll close things out with Rachel Yucatel and call it a week. I'll see you again on Tuesday. We'll come back and wrap it up. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. This is the unofficial start of the summer. Fire Island, the Hamptons, Jersey Shore, upstate New York. This is the Beach Boys. My favorite Beach Boys song, as you know, Lewis. Make a lot of for a second. Don't worry, baby, by the Beach Boys. I don't know if Mike loves. This is his favorite, but it is mine. So our final guest of the week, until we come back on Tuesday, we're taking Monday off to honor the courageous men and women that put their lives on the line every day for our country. So they do it so Rachel Yucatel could put on a podcast like Misunderstood, which I must tell you, I know this for a fact, is doing phenomenally well. And uh, she gets these great guests. But, I, I, you know, I got your, um, you know, every guest that comes on, they give me a piece of paper, you know. Mm-hmm. And it says what they do, who they are. And your, your, I guess, little bio still mentions Tiger Woods. Don't you want to get away from that? You, you, you hold on to that because that's how people, I guess, know your name. Well, I'm not holding on to it. I mean, you just brought it up in my intro. So right. someone's holding on to it. It's part of your bio. Well, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, um, you know, when uh, something that big you're involved in, right, I mean, it follows you around. And that's actually been part of why I started my podcast um, and called it Misunderstood because I'm somebody who was reduced to a single headline, right? right. And um, my podcast is specifically for those people who are on a mission to change their narrative. And, um, you know, my history in New York and in the world kind of, I mean, I've been in two very big news events, right, in the world that are completely different. I was painted as a villain during September 11th when I lost my fiancé. And the whole world saw that. There was a very famous photo. What do you mean you were painted as a villain? Because I know you finally had the no, opportunity. No, painted as a victim. Sorry. Uh, as a victim. Yeah. Okay. Well, of course you're a victim. I yeah. don't understand. Painted as a victim. Uh, there were a lot of victims that day. And uh, I know that you, you loved Rudy Giuliani ever since then. Mm-hmm. You even named your dog Rudy. Yeah. And you've been dying for years to interview the mayor, Rudy, who's yeah. on this station, my dear friend. Mm. And you finally had that opportunity two days ago. Was yeah. it all that you thought it was going to be? You know, it was, it was more so, actually, I, I will say. I was very impressed with him. Um, obviously, I'm somebody who's liked him for a long time, but I know that people have become very critical um, in the last few years, especially. And he was very even-keeled. He was very smart. He was, um, you know, he talked a, about a lot of things I did not think he would, and I was really impressed with him. So he was everything I thought he would be in more. <laughs> did your boyfriend pass away 9-11? My fiancé. Your fiancé. It was your fiancé. Yeah. And he did die. We, we, yeah, he, he was here in the in the World Trade Center. He was. He, he was in the South Tower. He was on the hundred and fourth floor at San Laronio. 
Okay. Uh, not uh, Kenneth Fitzgerald. No. Okay. Uh, okay, so you got Woody. So these are two major news stories. You're right. 9-11 mm-hmm. and uh, Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. But as you talked about, you try to change the narrative. So I see your guess, right? So they go, ah, that you could tell, flimsy, blah, 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 the affair, Tiger Woods. But you're talking to some real smart newsmakers. I mean... You know, it's not just uh, somebody on the Bravo channel, for example. No, I really don't. I try and stay away from reality and reality stars. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but, you know, I'm talking to people that really I feel like should be reconsidered. um, And I believe in the power of second chances. So I want to put in the forefront. So do I, by the way. I mean, I've had a million chances. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been fired a thousand times. A lot of, uh, you know, uh, the the papers tend to make it more embarrassing, as you know, than it really, really is. So I love what you're doing because people do deserve second chances. Give me a couple of examples of folks uh, that you've given second chances to. Um, Well, particularly, I mean, it hasn't come out yet, but um, something that New Yorkers will all know, um, if they remember the bad vegan story that came out on Netflix and um, Sarma Melangalis, who was arrested um, and she had pure food and wine and she really hasn't come out and told her story yet. I mean, if you watch Netflix, people don't know if she's a criminal or if she just fell in love with a really sick guy and got, you know, psychologically, you know, invested and abused by him, really. So yeah. um, she came on my show. It hasn't come out yet. It's coming out in the next couple of weeks. But that's great to have her on the show. That but, is a great one. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I had like Cato Kalin. I had and we talked all about the, um, you know, the trial. And I had yeah. Tara did, Newell. Did he tell you flat out that O.J. Simpson killed those two people? Flat out. Yes. Well, he that what he believes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He didn't see it. But yeah. Well, he but he claims he saw O.J. that night. Running he did. Out. Yeah. yeah. He, okay. he told he told that whole story on the uh, podcast. So that was great. And uh, Tara Newell was a really interesting one. She's the one who killed the original uh, Dirty John. And uh, so that story was pretty incredible to have her on and for an hour and talk about that. But even Rudy was amazing. I mean, having Rudy Giuliani on talking about 9-11, talking about the state New York is right now, like the crime that's going on, talk about, you know, his recent um, allegations like he he was very open and honest yeah. and i appreciated that no he's great so you're a person that really you're a new yorker mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's because you're sick and tired of the crime and all the things what he talked about but you're about to re- relocate to a uh, west palm beach yeah is it because it's so and i lived in boca for a long time yeah. I, I, it's beautiful don't get me wrong is it because it's so lovely there or it's so bad here or a combination of both i think it's a combination of both listen i'm a single mother i have two dogs i have 11 year old daughter um you know i She's going to sixth grade now. The Department of Education has made it really difficult because there's a lottery system. Um, so she she got into a school that was completely far away from me because she didn't get a good lottery number. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? And she's super smart. So. You know what's funny about that one? Danielle and I, when our kids went to school in Florida, mm-hmm. they kept telling us, go back to New York because the schools in New York are so much better. I have to tell you. And I can speak only on behalf of Gabriel and Ava, our children. Mm-hmm. Not the case. Yeah. They received a much better education in Florida. Much better. Well, without all this psycho stuff, too. Yeah. And I, I agree because in Florida, I'm able to send her to a private school. And in New York, you know, she started out at a private school, but it's $70,000 at this oh, point, I know. you know, and know. it's really difficult. And education in public schools, while I appreciate it and I think it's great, it hasn't really been enough. And that could be a product of COVID. But, you know, what happened there? But, you know, I want more for her. I want more for me. And listen, I'm a New Yorker. I love New York. I've been through 
so much here. New Yorkers have really helped me, and I have a New York personality, but I think it's time for me to move to Florida. So on the way out, Misunderstood is uh, it's taken off. It's doing very, very well. Yes. What do you want to do with it next? Is it, is it something you want to you want to go on a TV show? You Maybe the next uh, Billy Bush. I don't know. What's next for you? Well, you? I love interviewing people. I yeah. love getting to the heart of what they're trying to accomplish and really tell their story, right? So I would love to have some sort of a show, right? Or at least just have the podcast um, be able to be something that people can see more than just on YouTube. I think it's great. Um, but I, you know, I would do this for free. I love interviewing people. I love getting these big guests. I love reading a news story and saying, I have to have that person because I want to hear things from his side. So that's right now what I'm focusing on and doing. So I going- really hope everybody will listen to it. They will. Misunderstood. Wait till you can tell. When are you going back to Florida? I'm going back on Tuesday. Oh, look at you. You're all happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot there, very humid. It's I nice know. and cool We're here. Nice weather here. Yeah, it is nice. But <laughs> that all changes in about four months. That's right. Uh, listen, it's great to have you in studio. Thank you. Misunderstood is a great podcast. It really is. And your guests are great. And you're great at it. You're great at it. Thank you. So thank you for coming in. Absolutely. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Rachel, you could tell folks. We'll come back and uh, close shop and get ready to spend our three-day weekend on the beach, sitting friends in the morning. We'll be right back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, and I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today, cause the flag still stands for freedom, and they can't take that away. An American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget The men who died Who gave that right to me And I gladly stand up Next to you And defend her still today Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the U.S. That's the great Lee Greenwood. That's going to wrap up our week of shows. Don't forget, you've got Curtis Slee with three hours of him coming up next. He's in for the vacationing Brian Kilmeade. He's going to beat the living daylights out of me for three hours, and it's going to be funny. But a great week of shows. And remember, folks, we played this and Ray Charles earlier. Monday, you're out there with family and friends enjoying Memorial Day. Not to sound like a broken record, but you're off for a reason. The courageous men and women that put their lives on the line every day so you can listen to Sid and Friends in the morning. Like I always say, there's a lonely kid in a cave in Afghanistan with a gun right now wishing, wishing he was home with his mom and dad and sisters and brothers eating a hot dog on Monday. Think about him for a second, okay? So for my crew, I love my crew, Lou Rafino, amazing week, Justin Ellick, Noam Layden, and everybody here at WABC. I'll see you on Tuesday. Have yourselves a great weekend from all of us to all of you. God bless you, and God bless America. Peace!
Cause there ain't no doubt 